How are you, my shark prince <laughs> shirt friend? Blood in the water, yeah. <laughs> I have my little shark sweater on. Uh, I'm fucking amazing. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm obsessed with the sweater. I love it. It's actually secret pajama top, but Fuck it's yeah. so fucking cute, and I don't even care. No one has ever called me on the fact that it's, I'm clearly wearing pajamas out in public, so... I mean, Damn. I do that all the time. Yeah, but you're wearing like sexy lingerie when it's like, uh, you're wearing I mean, pajamas, quote I, I do, I do wear lingerie out. <laughs> it's not a shark a... sweater, yeah. No, well, I do, uh, I do wear like pajama rompers and pajama <gasps> jumpsuits out. Like I put like heels and a fucking You do rock hoops. a romper. Fuck yeah. The first time we went out outside of work, you fucking rocked a leopard print romper. Yes, and, like, I did. And like a little fucking organza little robe over it. Yeah. And fucking heels and just like bam yeah yeah i mean i live for a romper i mean you fucking nailed it so <laughs> she walked up and i was like damn girl i was I, not prepared i did text you before we were meeting up you that told me i was yes, gonna bring the thunder you did bring the thunder. <laughs> i was like i tried i wore like heels and skirt that was like me bringing the thunder but i it was you nowhere so close cute. oh thanks yeah I was like, I don't even remember what I wore because... <laughs> no, you looked adorable. I remember you telling me that Johnny was like, why the fuck did you get dressed up for me? <laughs> I was like, because you don't take me out for fancy drinks like Monique. Damn. Yeah, exactly. Go. There you go. This is another fucking horror podcast, by the way. Yep. I'm Monique Sanchez. I'm Amy Trayton. What's up? What's going on? Nothing much. It's been a very uneventful week. Mm. I've been gaming instead of watching things this week. Oh! So, Johnny and I just downloaded a new co-op game, which was like an indie, which is kind of unusual. It's like an indie game that came out huh. called It Takes Two. And if anybody's into games, and especially co-op games, it's super fun, and I highly recommend it. Cool. Hell yeah. I watched the Sons of Sam doc. How is that? I obviously saw it promoted a bunch on Netflix, but I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. The the premise, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, is that he did not act alone. And as they dive into it, he was actually part of a like cabal of like a satanic what? network. For like, real, not like satanic panic. Everyone's part of a satanic cabal. I don't because... know. Okay. I don't know. There's a lot of evidence that is very compelling. Interesting. And the main thing is that it's about this uh, investigative journalist who kind of like super spiraled. Oh. And was very convinced of this. And he was like, it, he, like this guy basically was was the embodiment of the Charlie the Day, Day Pepe meme. Sylvia. Yes. It, that's, yeah. <laughs> I was like, as soon as she said spiraled, I was like, I picture Charlie. Yes. He's at the wall. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's basically, he he lived that reality regarding the Son of Sam case and was very adamant that he did not act alone. David Berkowitz also said that he didn't kill everyone, that he did kill some people, but not other people when he was present. But then, like, wouldn't name names because hmm. he said that they were going to kill his dad. And... But he was also saying that, like, a dog told him to kill people. So well, they, like, took all that with a grain of salt? Is that why they... Well, so the thing with the dog, two of the people that the journalist alleges to have been a part of this murder conspiracy, whatever the fuck. Okay. Were his neighbors. And... Their dad was named Sam, and they had a dog. The neighbors did. The neighbors, who okay. they believe also 
were and like the evidence is very compelling that they were involved because if you look something that was always rubbed me the wrong way about uh david berkowitz with son of sam is that he doesn't look like any of the witness composites like the police sketches oh really no like not at all okay not at all hmm these two neighbors absolutely fucking do Okay. That's compelling. Yeah, but with like when it got to like Okay, but this is like D.B. Cooper, like the Zodiac Killer also looks like D.B. Cooper. Is that what this is? No, I don't think so. No, no, no. No, everyone looks like the fucking Zodiac Killer and D.B. Cooper. So uh, there are things that are very compelling about the documentary. I, the satanic cult thing is a lot. Yeah, I feel like that's always kind of where you start to lose me. And the thing is, it is in that time period of the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Where like the satanic panic was a thing. And, you know, and there's really no answers by the end of it. And the thing is, I'm also very burned by the, my dad was the Zodiac Killer fucking documentary on Hulu. Did you ever watch that? I feel... I feel like I didn't, I feel like I did enough research online, like being like, oh, this is interesting. And then I like read enough online that I was like, I'm not even going to fucking watch this because I feel like this is bullshit. Totally. I mean, it's kind of interesting to watch only in that because basically some dude had decided that his dad was the Zodiac Killer. And it was a thing that this guy had been like put up for adoption and had not worked through that issue and his feelings of like abandonment and not being wanted okay, or whatever. Yes. So he had to make some excuse for why his dad abandoned him, which was that his dad was the Zodiac Killer. That was kind of what it was. It couldn't be enough that like his dad was just trash. It had to be like he was the worst person ever. Okay. And then he was like, I have all of this compelling evidence. And then so they... But it was like, all like circumstantial, right? It really wasn't. No, he forged most of it. What? Because he okay. needed it to, to be, be that him. the case, yeah. That he like convinced himself, like, well, if I just add this word to the police report, you know, then it all fits then perfectly. Then it all fits perfectly. And basically, so th- this was like a best-selling book, and then oh, that the documentary is based on that the guy. Yes, they, so he wrote a book the... first, and then oh, there was the documentary. My God, okay. And basically, like at the eleventh hour. The documentarians are basically like, BT dubs, we have the original police report and the police report that was in the book. And there's a word that does not appear in the original. <gasps> and they just like straight up called him out and was like, they You're called him out. Of- what was the word? Do you remember? Yeah. it's um, It was a Tascadero, which is a prison. Oh, okay. And like he was alleging that his dad had been in a Tascadero and some shit like that and basically like the report says it was no it was something about like i think it was another serial killer i think it was ed kemper actually oh shit. i think it was okay. like ed kemper i think was at a tascadero and said that oh this guy in like the psych ward at a tascadero is the zodiac okay 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 something like that sure and then yeah. So there's something like that written, but the word Atascadero is not in it. And he added it in to like, be like, see, it all lines up, except it didn't. You forged evidence. You literally added something that wasn't in the original report. Yeah. Exactly. To make it fit your narrative. Like falsified well, evidence, basically. Right. Yeah. And it's not like It's even... not for a crime, but yes, ultimately exactly. it is. Yes. And the, this, I'm um, spoiler alert, but you kind of don't have to watch it. It's 
I, because it's really tough to watch because he has a, he's been divorced I think three or four times because he like can't let this go. And he his, can't like sustain a relationship because he's so like damaged from he like needs a shit that he therapist. hasn't worked through and he's just exactly. like yeah obsessed with this one weird thing yeah. and he has a grown son and the son is definitely like playing the parent here and it's oh, very not great it's very not great to watch yeah but the thing that is great to watch is because the whole time you think this is a documentary about this dude having this super compelling evidence that his dad is the zodiac and then literally like the last like 15 minutes of it it's the documentarian's going to him and the person who wrote the book with like actual (gasps) evidence and then being like, Oh, this thing that you claimed like, and it's not just that it's several things which are like, this is not like categorically errors. Yeah. Like categorically the person who's your father is not the Zodiac killer because he also like, wasn't even in the fucking country when the, during these killings or whatever. yeah. Yeah. Jesus, come on, dude. Look at the evidence. And the thing is that they bring up is that, like, publishing houses don't have a budget for... I'm totally blanking on the word. Um, like a fact like, checker? Like fact checkers. They yeah. So they just... It's like a good faith thing. I mean, I'm not surprised. Fucking... What was it? James Fry got into yes. so much fucking trouble back in the day because yes. he fucking said it was a memoir and it was basically all fabricated. And or fucking Oprah had him on his book oh, club and, and then Oprah brought him back, being like, "What the fucking fuck?" Destroyed Read him, on him for filth. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh my god, I will never forget that. No, me neither. <laughs> me neither. I didn't even know who the fuck this dude exactly. was. Exactly. Oh my and god. And then it was like <gasps> I can remember watching that episode with my mom. And of course. Just oh. She just raked him over the coals. She did not. She fucking, was not here for his bullshit. She was like, "You betrayed me. Like you lied to me. You made me look like a liar." Fuck like, yeah. Oprah did not fucking pull any punches. She was not here for his bullshit. No, she was, and she shouldn't have been. I mean, yeah. yeah. But you would think after something that highly publicized, you would get a fucking fact checker. You would think. Oh my god, yes. Because it was like it was a huge publishing house that published this fucking. It's my dad is a Zodiac book. Oh my God. I don't, I don't want to say it was Penguin Random House because that's the, a friend of mine works for Penguin Random House. So that's always the only publishing house yeah, I think of. Yeah, you're like, I don't want to just like besmirch their name. I'm yeah. pretty sure it wasn't them. I was like, oh, it's another like huge one. But guys, yeah. get your fucking life together. And when the author finds out she is fuck, she's like Oprah level. Oh, I'm sure she's irate. Cause she's like, you made me look like a liar. She's like, son of a bitch. <laughs> And like, she's like, I'm going to go drink and burn the book. Like, she's oh, like, oh my God, <laughs> yeah. my girl, that would be me too. Yeah. So was the Son of Sam, Son of Sam's documentary like related to this one? No, but I'm very like. Um, Is it giving you just vibes of that one? I'm or? very distrustful because of the the Zodiac documentary of like new evidence that no one else has seen before. I gotcha. You've been I, burned. That's fine. I've been fucking burned. Yeah. That Zodiac documentary was nuts. I kind of want to watch it now, even though I know it's no, bullshit. No, for sure. I kind of want to like just go and trash talk it or something. Yeah. For sure. And like the only reason I watched it was because I knew the ending. Okay. Okay. And I was like, okay, I can sit through this. Yeah. Because, you know, there's documentaries about like, like the Who's D.B. Cooper documentary. I don't You're really like, give a shit. No, I don't care. That's fine. Like, Cool. It could be a trans woman. That's fine. Yeah. Great. I also don't care who yeah, killed Jean Benet. 
I know that that's very uh, <laughs> that's blasphemous. very controversial. It's no very need. controversial. You just alienated a lot of people. I think I'm certain I did, <laughs> but I'm more interested in other things than that. I totally got it. I think it's, it's terrible, but yeah. it's not like I'm not like going down a Reddit rabbit hole as to who killed John Bonet. No, if it was her brother accidentally, that's fucked up. Yeah. Do you think it was somebody in the family? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah I don't think I it's like that. a random no, 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 no. whatever. Because also it just statistically. Very, statistically, that is not likely. Yes. Statistically, it's it's very likely that it's someone she knew. And even more so that it was someone in her family. family and just yeah. like the level of fuck ups and like the dad being like, let's search the sketch. house so from sketch. the tippy top of the house all the way down. And you're like, what, <laughs> what the, the fuck searches yes. like that? No. And then the like 47 page ransom note. Jesus, it, there's yeah. a lot there's of things. There's so many are, things yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah. But I don't really care. Like it'd be nice like to get justice for her. Yeah, of obviously. course. But like should we be dedicating all of our resources to that? Or? Right, no, exactly. I no. that. So if they come out tomorrow and they're like, We found out who did it, you're gonna be like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the seven remaining listeners we have because <laughs> everyone's everyone just like click like, fuck I've got I got canceled. How dare you, Monique? I got How <laughs> dare you besmirch John Bidet Rams? I'm not even besmirching her. I just like I, I don't get the obsession with it. With people being like, We need to know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I do remember being a little kid and seeing her face all over the top yeah, of after it happened and being like so just appalled and like just not understanding as a little kid like how this could happen like yeah I remember just being very freaked out yeah how old she looked oh because she's so fucking done up with all the makeup and the hair and everything and then growing up and being like oh no they just like sexualize children I'm like great yeah a lot yeah yeah and that freaked me out that's fair that's very valid yeah yeah it's one of those things like you're not actively rooting for her killer not to be found. Like, no, definitely yeah, not. you're just like, I, my, I'm not that invested. Yeah, exactly. Totally fair. Do you have any corrections or anything? Anything exciting? No? Uh, I don't think so. Public service announcements? Anything of the sort? We love you. We love and you guys. And we hope uh, you still love me after my <laughs> bold declarative <laughs> statement. <laughs> I think they'll forgive you. I think they understand so. that your heart's in the right place on that one. Yeah, like, you know, I want all crimes to be solved. I just don't know why everyone's obsessed with that one. Yeah, I feel like people get people get hung up on the wrong ones, honestly. Yeah, just because she's a pretty white girl from a rich family. Basically. I mean, which is often the case. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're never we had a great run. With I was the like, podcast. you're never gonna live this down. No, I know, I'm never right? gonna live it down. <laughs> we might have to cut it. Uh, probably not. But no, I know I'm never gonna live this down. <laughs> uh, do you have any corrections? No, no, I don't think so. I think I think I'm good from last week. All right. I don't think I, I don't think I fucked anything up too too badly. Oh no, that's right. You're first. I am. Emily. You want to? You no, want to go no, first? no. You can... I you'll you'll understand why why I fucked that up. When I get to my story. Oh. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. Monique's got a fucking paranormal true crime for us this week. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I wonder if that means it's a New Orleans story. A Nolan <laughs> story. You know what? I'm going to say. For the next few weeks. The stop episode that. <laughs> that you don't bring that up is the it's episode. It's going to be the one. I, 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 I,
pony. That's how my life is. Like, <laughs> don't bring it up. That's going to be the time it happens. That's how manifestation works. Bitch. Yes. you want it too bad. And then when you just let it go and accept that it's not going to happen, that's when it comes to that's you. It's going to find you. All right. I'm letting it go. I'm accepting that it's not happening. <laughs> it's not happening this week. It's fine. It's fine. All right. Sources. Wakelet.com, which is basically just a place where all of the tweets and posts that I'm going to reference were compiled after the fact. And cool. there were 408 Holy tweets fuck. and posts that I went through for you guys. So we're dedicated. I really tried hard. TheRap.com, Bustle.com, Sports.Yahoo.com, EliteDaily.com, TheGhostInMyMachine.com, mm. and TravelChannel.com. Nice. All right, so today we're going to talk about the allegedly true ghost story that went viral on Twitter in 2017, <gasps> known as Dear David. Do you remember this? Very vaguely. Okay, I'm super excited because I was worried she's going to be like, I knew everything, I know everything about this. <laughs> we don't even need to continue with your story because I actually had not heard about this at all and I stumbled across this and fell into this rabbit hole all at once. So it was quite the ride. But millions of people followed the terrifying story of one man's haunting as it unraveled live in 2017. That's pretty rad. It was fucking crazy. So let's meet the guy behind the tweets and ultimately the Dear David story. His name is Adam Ellis, and he's an artist and a relatively well-known illustrator who lives and works in New York City. Hey, girl. Hey. We see you. He worked at BuzzFeed and contributed over 400 posts until he left his position there towards the end of the Dear David haunting. He's also authored several illustrated books, so it's safe to say this is a creative and talented individual who not only has a background in art, but also wrote for his profession. Keep that in mind. Uh, for clarification for my brain, he was still working at BuzzFeed when the Dear David thing was happening. Yes. Cool. So, for those of you who don't know, here's how the Dear David story started. On August 7th, 2017, at 11.35pm, Adam posted his first tweet about David. It said, quote, So my apartment is currently being haunted by the ghost of a dead child, and he's trying to kill me. <gasps> End quote. Then he goes on to describe, in a series of tweets, a sleep paralysis episode that he had a few months before, mm -mm. where he saw a child with a misshapen <gasps> head, dented on one side, sitting in the green rocking chair he had towards the foot of his bed. Since he's an illustrator, he drew the boy as he had seen him and included it in the post. Nope. He said the boy just stared at him for a while, then got out of the chair and started shambling towards the bed. Get the fuck out. Because the sleep paralysis, he obviously couldn't move, which he says he has fairly often. Right mm -mm. before the boy reached Adam's bed, he woke up screaming. A few nights after this weird dream, he had another, but this time he was in a library and a little girl came up to him and said, you've seen dear David, haven't you? Adam was like, who? And the little girl said, dear David, you saw him. He's dead. He only appears at midnight, and you can ask him two questions if you say, Dear David, first. Then she said, but never try to ask him a third question, or he'll kill you. Adam said he was shaken and thought it was weird to have two dreams about the same thing, but since a couple weeks passed and nothing else happened, he shrugged it off. Then David came back in another dream. It was exactly as it was before, mm -mm. him in bed, David sitting in the rocking chair, staring at him. In the dream, he asks, Dear David, how did you die? David mumbles, an accident in a store. Then he asks, Dear David, what happened in the store? He said, a shelf was pushed on my head. Oof. 
Yeah. Fuck. Frozen with fear, Adam asks, who pushed the shelf? Then he realizes he asked a third question, yeah. which he wasn't supposed to do, and he wakes up absolutely terrified. I like to point out he actually didn't start that question with Dear David, though, so I don't know if maybe it didn't actually count as a third question. Is this like Jeopardy rules? Right? Or like, like Mother May I or something? You Simon Says? Like, given your answer in the form, form of a question, question so you lose? <laughs> yes. You get nothing. Good day, <laughs> sir. <laughs> what is Dear David? Okay. <laughs> Uh, I, whenever somebody brings up Jeopardy, I like always just want to quote the SNL thing, which is your mother's a whole true best. And like, that is it. That is it. I was like the rapist for yes. hundred. That's therapist. Uh, so good. So good. Adam spends the next few days Googling deaths in the city, trying to find any record of David dying in a store. He even tried different names like Daniel, Dylan, Devin, but nothing. A couple of uneventful weeks go by, and then the apartment above him is randomly vacated, and he has the opportunity to move into it, which he does because it's a bigger apartment. Another month or two goes by, and Adam sort of forgets about Dear David, saying, quote, I think he lost track of me because I moved upstairs, end quote. Then he continues saying, but lately something strange is happening. For the past four nights, Adam's two cats would sit at the front of his door at exactly midnight Mm -mm. and just stare at it. Nope. Quote, almost like something is on the other side. End quote. So he got a weird feeling and he looked out of the peephole, swearing he saw movement on the other side. When he opened the door and turned on the hall light, nothing was there, but he swears the cat seemed unnerved. He finished his first post about David saying, quote, David found me, I think. I don't know what to do. I'll keep you updated, end quote. I mean. That's a hell of a way to start a fucking haunting. Right? Yeah. And fucking live tweeting this shit? Yeah. So people are following along and they're like chiming in. They're telling him like what to do, little like helpful hints. And, you know, obviously people are just being like, to me, like no, bitch, get out of there. Like, you crazy. Yeah. No. So Did he have like seven followers before this and then got like international fame? <laughs> I think he had slightly more than seven, but because he was like an illustrator and he had a decent following from that and BuzzFeed yeah, yeah. and stuff. So he was, you know, he was like prolific enough. But after this, oh yeah, right. like he fucking blew up. Yeah. So on August 9th, two days later, he posted confirming that every night at midnight, at least one of the cats had gone to sit in front of the door. Mm. He included a photo and a video which showed the cat meowing at the door, then approaching the door and kind of sniffing and moving his face around the seam of the door. Adam took a picture through the peephole saying he was too scared to open the door. He said, quote, I this feel... This is the front door? This is his front door okay. of his apartment. And it's like a, a house that's been converted into two apartments. Uh-huh, so it's uh-huh. like the bottom apartment which he moved out of and he just moved into the second floor, which is the top floor. He said, quote, I feel like I saw something, end quote. Mm-mm. But he couldn't tell from the photo, so he finally mustered the courage to open the door. He didn't see anything out there, but he took another photo anyway. Convinced there was something in the peephole photo, he took a second one through the peephole. After comparing the two photos, he suggested there was something hiding on the stairs in the first peephole photo, which, as you can probably imagine, is not the clearest picture. I don't see anything personally. However, some may disagree with me. So they're side by side, and apparently you can see something, quote unquote, on the left side, which is the first photo. I mean, I see smudges. Yes, that's basically what it looks like. It looks like smudges on the people. 
He says he wasn't sure if it was a smudge or something, but he was convinced there was something out there. He was pretty scared, so he deadbolted the lock and got into bed because he didn't know what else to do. He said he could still hear his cats meowing at the door as he fell asleep. August 10th, next day, cats are still up to their usual, and Adam says he's going to try a sleep-talking app to see if anything happens during the night. So it'll record him to see if anything happens. Okay, so I, I understand this. It's an app that records noise. I believe it's an app that it has some sort of feature where once it hears a noise, it turns on and starts recording. So it's for people who sleep talk that as soon as they start talking, it switches on and starts recording them. Can you imagine? That's one of those things I wouldn't even want to fucking know. Right? I don't want to know if I'm talking. I don't want to know the shit I say. I, I definitely have... I don't know about the weird sounds in my house that are terrifying. No. no. And if you hear something that is not your fucking voice and you live by yourself... Fuck no. No, I don't want to know that. No, like that's, I'm moving tomorrow. No, yeah, I'm good. Thanks. No, thank you. No. So he is going to try the sleep talk app and he also puts a line of salt in front of his door for protection because several of the Twitter users who are following him suggested he do that. Yeah. August 11th, he Isn't shares- is there a hocus pocus? Yeah. Fuck yeah. There you go. Never knew when that was going to come in handy, did you? <laughs> Oh, that is 90% of the facts that I know. It's hocus pocus facts? I not just, it. no, not hocus pocus. It's just worthless facts that it's like in a very specific niche situation that oh, I can yeah. just be like, by the way, did you know that the reason why Birkins exist? Hey, you're welcome. I'm like, why do you know this, Monique? I don't know. Because I don't it know why. It was useful one time. That's why. You don't. Enough people have surprisingly been really fascinated by that and be like, actually, I yeah. I just don't know why people wouldn't want to know it. I it's think it's fascinating. fascinating. Yeah. But no, that's that is the majority of the of the things I know. I don't know how to like change a tire. I don't know anything that like translates to like real world practical use. <laughs> I know bullshit like that. Like, oh yeah, in Hocus Pocus, they say if you do a circle of salt, that protects you from the witches. Yeah, nailing my life. <laughs> <laughs> the important things. Exactly. So on August 11th, he shares some of the audio recordings from the app, which makes individual recordings each time it hears something. Out oh, of, okay. Out of 33 recordings, he says three were of interest. The first one was a snapping sound, and what he said is a single step, and he says he didn't get out of bed all night. The next one was a strange electric sound. Then right after this static noise, there's another snap, and then Adam groans in his sleep on the audio. And the audio occurred between 2 and 3 a.m. He says he has no explanation for them. However, he does have two cats and he lives in an apartment in New York City. Yes. Which is not the quietest. Correct. I, I listened to all the recordings. Eh, they're noises. I don't know how I feel about them. Right. On August 12th. It's not like. There's no sounds. There's no like. Voices. Yeah. No one says like, hello, or my name is David in the background or anything creepy like that. It's literally a snap and like some static. It's meh. So on August 12th, Adam posted a selfie saying that he was getting the F out of his haunted apartment for the weekend. However, one of his followers claimed to have found something disturbing in one of the glass panes in the door behind him. Adam reposted the close-up saying, quote, I have no explanation for this. Again, I saw the close-up, which is supposed to show David's image in the glass, but I honestly don't see anything mm. and i feel like it's very likely a case of pareidolia which is the tendency to perceive a specific often meaningful image in a random or ambiguous right. visual pattern yeah. i.e your brain makes you see things that aren't really there because yeah. it's constantly searching out patterns yeah so just after midnight on august 14th so christina's like birthday hey girl oh hey some weird shit went down on your birthday girl i'm sorry <laughs> 
Adam tweeted, quote, so a weird thing just happened. Take it with a grain of salt, end quote. He then proceeds to explain that he bought a Polaroid camera, thinking it would be fun, even though Polaroids are, quote unquote, inherently sort of creepy. He took some pictures around his apartment, saying he didn't expect to find anything, and for the most part, he didn't. He posted a picture of his bedroom and his living room, noting they look completely fine. But then he went into the hallway and took a picture. The Polaroid developed completely black, despite it supposedly being taken in a fully lit hallway. Hmm. He made a note that the time was slightly after midnight when he took this photo. Thinking he had covered the lens with his finger, maybe, he did it intentionally to test the theory and posted the photos side by side, with one being pitch black while the other was a lighter, dark gray. In order to prove the photos were real, he recorded himself taking them again, showing him pointing the camera at his fully lit hallway, then setting the camera down, removing the photo, and showing it develop into a fully black image in this video. Hmm. So he's repeatedly getting a fully black image from using the Polaroid on the hallway. On a fully lit hallway, yes. And you watch him do this in the video. We're going to come back to that then. Interesting. Yeah. Someone following the story asked him to take the photos from further away, one with his iPhone and one with the Polaroid. The iPhone photo looks totally normal, but the hallway in the Polaroid is pitch black. Adam claimed that the light was on both times, I would like to note, just to be a devil's advocate here, there's actually no video of him taking the further away photo, which would be easy to fake by just turning off the light in the hallway and taking the photo. Right. Needless to say, Twitter users avidly following the developing ghost story immediately began looking for things in the photos. They claimed that there was a face above the photo comparing the two all-black Polaroids, while others said that when they brightened the image of the darkened doorway... There was a figure visible in the darkness. Get the fuck out. Again, they're vague at best. Although, I do kind of see the figure in that one. So, these are the two Polaroids side by side. The one on the left is supposedly the With one... The finger. His finger. Yeah, where yeah. the other one is the pitch black hallway. Yeah. There's that little green thing in the dark yeah. over both pictures. Somebody claimed that was a face, which to me is like, meh, sure. I mean, yeah, it kind of looks like a face. But also that's, again, that's like matrixing. That's the, your, your brain, brain is looking. Filling in an image, yes. Yeah, it wants to see something there, yes. And it's that thing too of when you see it, you can't not see it. Yes. So now I'm, I'm just seeing Now you're face. just like, it's creepy, yeah. It looks kind of like, I mean, we're going to post this on the Instagram, of course. But it, it kind of looks like, like one of the statues from Haunting of Hill House, but in green. Yeah, yeah. it kind of does. You're right. Yeah. So again, it's like a little, it's a little creepy looking, a little, a little weird. Um, here's the iPhone and the Polaroid of the hallway from a distance, side by side. You know what this just reminded me of? What those fucking those fucking videos on YouTube of like people turning on the light and turning it off? <gasps> I fucking hate those I so much. I can't stand it. No, no, no. I can't handle that at all. At all. Where like you see that like no one is there when the light is on, and when they turn the light off, you see that the, someone's there, and they keep like on and off, like turning no, it on and off. Yeah. And, that, and then finally, like the person, whatever the figure is, like runs towards the camera. <gasps> no, 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 no. I can't handle that at all. No. Again, they're all vague at best. 
Later that day, he took the advice of some of his followers who suggested getting some sage to smudge his apartment. Yeah, girl. He did, and he also saged the hell out of the hallway and the rocking chair. Since that's Throw out the David, fucking rocking chair. Right? It's a pretty dope rocking chair. I will, I will admit, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I feel like Sell you, it on fucking eBay and say it's a haunted rocking chair. There you go. $1,000 fucking dollars. Hello. Right? There you go. But be like, eBay doesn't allow me to sell haunted, haunted, <laughs> haunted items. items. So it's vintage and, you know, buyer beware. <laughs> Adam didn't have much faith that it would work, but he said he was open to anything and that he barely slept the night before, saying he kept waking up feeling like something was wrong. The next day, Adam posted saying, quote, Sage did not work, end quote. Apparently, it had been a few months since he had dreamed about David, but he appeared again that night right after the smudging. In the dream, the bedroom was filled with a hazy smoke, but he could still see David sitting in the chair across the room. He was smaller, almost shrunken, but he didn't do or say anything, just stared at him. Mm-mm. Adam said it felt like a bad omen. I mean, I don't believe I suffer from sleep paralysis, depending on how you feel about my personal story from a previous episode. Yes. Um, Your incubus. My yeah. incubus story. But aren't there like medications or something you can take for this to like calm this the fuck down? I believe so. I don't know. I've never had an episode of sleep paralysis, thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going strictly off of Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. She was getting treatment for sleep paralysis. Yes, 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 yes. Even though that's not what was happening, really. Or was it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Up to you. But if the TV show didn't make this up, because all TV shows are fucking scientifically accurate. Yes. If if the haunted uh, paranormal TV show didn't make this up, I would be like, okay, maybe I'm just having sleep paralysis. And since traditionally uh, sleep paralysis is accompanied by hallucination. Yeah. I would go to a doctor and be like, can you fix this? What the fuck? Yeah, definitely. I'd be like, something is wrong. Like, Something's no, wrong. you need to give me medication for this. Yeah. For sure. Because I, I don't think a doctor would be like, sorry, sounds tough, but enjoy your sleepless Good luck nights. With, that, with your I don't think so. head boy. Yeah. No. I'd like to think not. I'd like to think they'd like to be more helpful than that. If you guys uh, know anything about this, uh, shoot us a DM us or an know. email because I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> a few days later, on August 18th, he gave a general update. The cats were up to their usual stakeout in front of the door at midnight and had been every night for the past two weeks. His sleep recordings were picking up a weird static electricity sound every night at 3 a.m. and it would last about five minutes. Then he said he woke up that morning feeling like the whole house was shaking. Mm. He admitted that he debated even mentioning that part on Twitter because it sounds so made up, but he distinctly felt the house swaying. He couldn't really explain it, but he said he felt uneasy like right before a thunderstorm comes. He finished the post saying, quote, everyone is telling me to move, but I don't have any guarantee that this won't follow me, end quote. I mean, you could try though. Yeah, you can give it a shot. (laughs) So... The next night, Adam posted that a thunderstorm warning had been issued for the city, which made his, like, I feel like a thunderstorm's coming thing seem sort of prophetic. Okay. In the end, it ended up passing by them, but he said the night was bizarre anyway. He fell asleep pretty early because he was incredibly tired for some reason. Then he had a dream where David was dragging him by the arm through an old abandoned warehouse. Mm -mm. He doesn't know why he didn't fight back or how David was strong enough to pull him, but he just blamed dream logic. He said it was a creepy dream, but he didn't think much of it when he woke up. When he took a shower, he noticed a huge bruise on his arm. 
He brushed it off, thinking he might have injured himself the day before, and then when his arm hurt during the night, his subconscious manifested this dream. When he left to go get coffee the next morning, he passed by the food cart repair depot by his apartment, which is always incredibly busy, especially on the weekend. But suddenly, it was completely abandoned, and the whole warehouse was gutted and empty. Mm. Well, almost empty. Because besides a couple ladders, there was a green chair sitting in the middle of the bare warehouse. He admitted it could be nothing, but still thought it was weird that it was the only thing left behind, especially since David first appeared in Adam's green rocking chair. On his way back from the coffee shop, the warehouse was closed and shuttered and has been since then. He included photos of the open warehouse, the chair inside, and the now locked up door. Of the whole experience, he said, quote, the chair, my bruise, dreaming about an empty warehouse, and then passing by one, it gave me the creeps, end quote. He obviously didn't sleep much the following night, saying there were too many strange things happening, and more frequently. On August 25th, Adam announced that there had been a few small developments, but that he didn't know what to make of them. He said, quote, I just know I'm scared, end quote. Then he explained how the cats had started congregating at the front door earlier and earlier. That night, they started at around 10 p.m., which confused him. Then they began a new routine. They would hover around the door, cry for 15 minutes, and then wander off as if nothing was wrong. This week, though, shortly after the cats wandered off, Adam started getting phone calls from an unmarked number. A picture of his call history for the past week showed multiple unanswered calls received over the past few days, all listed as no caller ID. Mm. After a few of those missed calls, he thought it was maybe a telemarketer, so he decided to answer because sometimes if you answer, they'll quit calling. But when he answered the unlisted number, he heard a strange electrical static sound, similar to the static that his sleep app picks up. He didn't say anything, he just listened, waiting for the automated message to chime in. After about a minute, the static stopped, and there was silence. But he kept listening. He heard what he thought was breathing over the line, but it was so faint that he couldn't be sure. He said his heart was racing, so it was hard to hear. And just as he was about to hang up, he heard a very small voice whisper, hello. Mm -mm. But there was something off about the way they said hello. It wasn't a question or a greeting. It was a flat statement. Just hello. So quiet, he could barely hear it. Adam said it freaked him out. He panicked and hung up. Then he closed all the curtains, turned on all the lights in his apartment, and watched TV until dawn because he was too scared to go to sleep. He said, quote, I sort of feel like I'm losing my mind. If I look at each individual incident on its own, there are perfectly logical explanations for everything. But after three weeks of weird shit happening, I don't know how to make sense of it all. The only thing I feel like I can do right now is write everything down. So that's what I'm doing. And that's what I'll keep doing. End quote. On August 28th, Adam tweeted a couple of things. First, he moved the green chair out of his bedroom a few weeks ago. Second, he was going to Japan on vacation in three weeks and hoped David would lose track of him while he was gone, since that seemed to briefly happen when he moved upstairs. He felt that if he could just make it to his trip, the whole thing would end. Third, he got a pet camera so he could keep an eye on his cats while he was overseas. The camera connects to the Wi-Fi and alerts the owner to sound and movement via an app. He decided to test it out that weekend when he was out one night, and he got alerts throughout the night while the cats did their thing. But then around 11, he got another motion alert, and he checked the feed but didn't see anything. He watched again and again, nothing. When he watched the clip for a third time, he finally saw what had triggered the camera. 
In the video he posted, the green rocking chair, which was perfectly still, Stop it. begins to gently rock. No. Adam said he hadn't opened his windows all summer and that there was no way there had been any wind. Does he have video of this? Oh, yeah. <gasps> which, like, it's kind of, it's a little eerie. Like, it's definitely not moving and then it starts moving on its own. But, yep. like... Again, devil's advocate, you could tie some fishing line to that and hide behind For your sure. couch and, and make that look very realistic. So, yeah. He insists that he was out that night and there was no wind, nothing to make the rocking chair move all on its own, all of a sudden. He was unnerved, but since he's out and unable to do anything about it, he just put his phone away and tried not to panic. Half an hour later, another alert popped up on his phone. The next video shows a little turtle shell that was hanging on the wall, falling out of the blue. When he returned home, he was too nervous to turn the camera back on. Feeling uneasy, he put the chair in the hallway, and his last post of the night said, quote, I hope nothing else happens tonight, end quote. A week later, on September 5th, Adam's post said, quote, it's happening again, end quote. Apparently, he had been leaving the pet cam on 24-7, and after he reviewed the footage, he noticed some weird stuff. There's a video of one of the cats, quote unquote, behaving strangely with Adam saying he reacted like he was spooked by something. Later in the same clip, a green glass on the table suddenly moves. Adam didn't seem to notice at the time, and it wasn't until one of his followers pointed out that he finally saw it. However, according to science, when a wet glass is placed on a smooth surface, a ring of water first makes a seal around the bottom edge of the glass. Then as the glass continues towards the countertop, air that is under the glass air that is under the glass bottom is compressed. Under ideal conditions, this small volume of pressurized air is able to support the weight of the glass. The water around the bottom edge of the glass functions as a seal to prevent the air from escaping. Kind of like a little like hovercraft situation. So for a short time, the glass is floating on the surface of the water and moves with almost no friction, which I'm sure most of you have experienced. If you have a glass with a lot of condensation on it and you leave it on a smooth surface, it will move on its own. Yes. He also posted a screenshot showing his cat sitting up on the couch on his hind legs, looking around the room. Adam said the video showed him doing this on and off for hours and claimed this was not normal behavior for him. The last video he posted shows the cat sitting up on the couch, batting at something in the air in front of him, and while it seems like a bug would be the logical explanation, and Adam acknowledges the possibility, he said that he honestly never gets flies and that it was distinctly odd behavior from his cat. To be fair, the cat is clearly tracking something, and while he doesn't look scared, he also doesn't really look playful. He looks more like he's just trying to figure out something that confuses him. Hmm. Adam ended the post thread by saying, quote, I just can't shake the feeling that something has made its way into the apartment. Things feel off this week. I can't explain it, end quote. On September 11th, the pet cam caught a video of a small knitted cactus falling from the same shelf where the turtle was hanging. In the video, you can see Adam walk through the living room, into the other room, and a moment after he moves out of view, the cactus falls. Hmm. He walks back into the room to find the cactus on the floor with the terracotta pot broken. <gasps> after examining the broken cactus, you see him immediately lock the door. Weirdly, I find that I need to note, this was not in the record of all of the tweets oh. that was on Wakelet. It was only in the Bustle article I read, which I thought was kind of weird. Huh. Yes. And I don't know why that is, but I thought that was slightly strange. On September 16th, Adam reported that he had been having a lot of nightmares lately, saying that they're way more intense than his usual dreams. That afternoon when he took a nap, he had a dream that he said he hasn't been able to shake. 
In the dream, he was laying in bed, and when he rolled over to face the other direction, there was a severed head with a (gasps) bloody spine still attached, snaking down into the bed. The head was staring right at him. Nope. Somehow still alive (gasps) with this huge smile plastered on its face. Oh my god! I know. In the dream, he screamed, what happened to you? But the head just smiled bigger. Then it said, quote, it feels great, end quote. What the fuck? Creepy. So creepy. Yeah. When he woke up, it was dark outside and everything was silent. His other dreams had been just as strange with dark figures staring in his windows, even though he lives on the second floor. Oh my fucking God. Yeah. No, no, no. After the dream about the head, he felt incredibly uneasy and couldn't stop Gee, thinking about it. Gee, I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> so he decided to get out of his apartment and walk to the bodega for a snack. On the way, he passed by the now empty warehouse from before. When he was walking back from the shop, he heard a thunk from inside the warehouse. He froze in place, waiting for another sound, but there was nothing. Curious despite himself, he saw a grated window next to the door too high to see into. I'm sorry, what is that? A grated window? Uh, like a window with like a grate over it. Like oh, a grid. so exactly a grated window. A grated window, yeah. <laughs> it sounds weird. Like it sounds like grating cheese yeah. kind of. You're like, what kind of what? So I'm like, is this like a window texture? No, no yeah. it just has like... A grate over it, yeah. yeah. A grate, got it. He decided to hold his phone up, take one photo, and then run for his life. Making sure the flash was on, he took a quick picture, then ran all the way home. When he finally looked at the photo, he could see a bunch of old insulation, a filing cabinet, and a ripped up leather desk chair. Then he says he noticed something in the upper right corner, something that looked like a face. The more he stared at it, the more it started to look like a nondescript blur, and he said he wasn't even sure what he was seeing. Mm. Again, like the face in the glass photo, Yep, I don't really see anything. <laughs> so do with that information what you will September the pictures can be tough they can be tough People, yeah it's like um like the skeleton in the Chelsea Hotel yes. you're like that's a bit of a reach yeah you're grasping like, there I could see it I guess but you're like really looking hard and squinting yeah and you're telling me that it's a skeleton, skeleton and my brain is going okay you can the blank. see a skeleton if you really want to yeah right totally right On September 22nd, Adam checked in on Twitter right before he left for Japan, saying the past few days had been quiet. He still thought that everything might stop if he just left for a couple weeks. He said, quote, Whatever happens, I want to thank everyone for their kind thoughts and concerns. This whole ordeal has been stressful, and it means a lot. It makes me feel like I'm not going through this alone. See you in a couple of weeks, end quote. Adam said the weeks he spent in Japan were pretty peaceful, But then on his last day, he went for a walk and saw this cylindrical statue thing with different figures carved into it, some babies and some children. Circling around it, taking pictures, he says he almost dropped his phone when he caught sight of one of the figures, which looked like a baby with a dented head, similar to David. He felt dizzy looking up at it and that it was too similar (sighs) to be a coincidence. He said, quote, maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe this is nothing. It doesn't feel like nothing. End quote. I mean, is David a common Japanese name? No. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't believe so. I'm like, I mean, it looks weird. It's a little... It, it, yeah. It definitely, it definitely looks like a little misshapen baby. Mm-hmm. And, but like, maybe that guy wasn't a super great sculptor and you shouldn't hate on him. He doesn't For know sure. how to shape heads properly, okay? I mean, it looks like he's putting the sculptor on blast. <laughs> the... 
The thing I will say is that the other heads I do see... Do look normal, right? Yes. It is kind of weird. Yes. That it's like that one that's just like the weird baby. Yes. (laughs) Yes. But again, could just be a really weird coincidence. Adam returned to the U.S. on October 5th, and on October 14th, he tweeted that weird things had been happening with the electricity in his apartment. According to him, two bulbs had burned out in the hallway in less than a week. Mm. After the second one, he decided to just leave it alone. He said the strangest thing was the backlight on his TV. It's an LED strip that plugs into the TV via USB, and the TV has to be on for the backlight to be on. But the night before, the backlight was flickering on and off by itself. He saw it when he was going to get some water, and when he climbed back into bed, he could see it flicker from the other room. He went back into the living room and stood there watching the backlight go on and off for at least a few minutes. Mm. He described it as bizarre, but there's no video to accompany this story, which I find odd considering how well he's trying to document this haunting. Right. Eventually, it stopped flickering, and now the backlight doesn't work at all, which, considering it was only a few months old, seemed unusual to Adam. If your TV's a few months old, you have a warranty of how long? Get a new fucking TV. Yes. It's a backlight for the TV. It's not the TV itself. It just plugs into the TV for power. And then it like, I think attaches to the back of your TV and it creates like, you can change the different colors behind it. So like, it's, it's like fancy. Still, I would imagine that you have like a year warranty that in that standard, get a new fucking backlight. There you go. Dave's just going to take it out again, Monique. I mean, yeah, clearly. (laughs) He couldn't sleep after that. So he went to a diner to grab an early breakfast. When he got back home, he showered, intending to go into work early, but as he walked by the front door, he thought he heard a faint scratching sound coming from the other side. What the fuck? I would not handle this well. He was too scared, again, to look in the peephole, so he took a picture through it instead. Another blurry photo, this time purporting to show part of a face with an ear visible and an eye staring right back at him. For the record, again... I don't see anything, and he even has, like, a little post where he draws, like, over what he sees, uh-huh. so you can, like, your it helps your brain see what he is seeing, right. quote-unquote. Right, This is the same shit with the EVPs. Yes! Which I found a really good video I saw a while ago that I wanted to show you, which is basically where it's, like, this sample of an electronic song, uh-huh. and then it's, like, a list of ten things that it could be saying... Right. In this video. And I literally hear every single one. Of course. Depending on which one I'm looking at. Like, Of course. But there's no way for me to distinguish what it's actually saying in the song. Exactly. Yes. That's the thing with EVPs. And I, and I feel like our brains to be willing participants are like, yeah. Yeah, sure. I totally hear that. I hear that. Yeah. I totally see that. Mm-hmm. It just fills in the gaps. Yep. They're like, cool. Yeah, I see a face. Yeah. Whatever you want to believe. So again, even when he draws over this image, like, I don't really see what he's going for here. He said, quote, I think maybe it's time to get someone else involved. It's obvious this isn't going to stop until I do something. I'm just not sure what it is yet. I'll let you all know when I figure it out, end quote. On October 26th, Adam posted that he had had a friend over to do some, like, smudging, cleansing stuff to his apartment and the hallway. He also mentioned that he had been contacted by a bunch of self-proclaimed mediums and about a dozen Ghost Hunter TV shows, but he declined them <laughs> Zach all. Bagans. Zach Bagans. Come at me, bro. <laughs> God. He declined them all, saying he didn't want strangers in his house sensationalizing what was going on, or maybe for them to imply that he was fabricating things. 
Yeah, Again, so instead, advocate. he's just putting it all on fucking Twitter. Twitter, exactly. He's sensationalizing it himself. Adam said after the cleansing, things went back to normal. The cats weren't sitting by the door anymore, and he was no longer having dreams of David. He thought everything was over, but after about a week, things started to get weird again. Move out of the fucking house. Move out, and then if it <laughs> keeps happening there, then you're like, okay, this thing is following me. We'll Call a priest, out. get a fucking exorcist, or if you're cheap, go to a fucking Catholic church, get some holy water, put it in a little bottle. My Dab it. Dude, yeah. my grandmother used to fucking steal holy water from the No cupboard. way. She, yeah, absolutely. She'd bring her own little is that bottle. Not a sin? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just curious. I don't know the rules. I didn't know people did this until I thought my grandmother would come in with like a little like a little Tupperware, a little bottle, and would like dunk it in the in the holy water and take some home and like bless you. Oh, because she had she's a an apartment, like in the back of her house that yeah. she rents out. And there was a woman who she said was Santera. Oh, she practiced Santeria yeah. and would pay in cash. And my grandmother would like bless the cash. She would bless <gasps> the cash and she would never physically touch it. She would never physically touch the cash. Like it would be put in an, in an envelope, envelope or something. She would put holy water on it and then just give it to the bank teller. And the, so that the bank teller was the first person to touch it. And she's kind of like, if that shit's hex, that's your fucking bad. That's homie. on you. <laughs> you know what? That was not the worst idea, honestly. That I was mean, actually pretty smart. For sure. Yeah, self-preservation on her part. So yeah, if you're being fucking cheap, go to a fucking church. Steal the holy steal water. Steal the holy water, which apparently I guess you can do. Just it never like, would have occurred to me. Spritz it around, yeah. Spritz it around. A girl. And if not, hit up a rabbi. You if not, hit up some other fucking person. Anybody. Literally anybody at this point. Well, so you could just move. <laughs> are you in a rent-stabilized apartment? Why the fuck are you here? If you're rent-stabilized, and that's your new fucking roommate. He, he just don't fucking leave. <laughs> Ask him for rent. Be like, David, you owe me fucking half of the rent. Like, yes. I'm not doing this anymore. Either get the fuck out or pay me my fucking you rent. You owe me half of the $150 monthly rent because it's rent stabilized. Fine. Then yeah. you fucking put up with that shit. What? This is... I mean, I love me a good ghost story, but I, I'm calling a lot of bullshit on this. Girl, we're going to get into it. Yes. One day, he was walking to work, and when he passed by the previously shuttered warehouse, he realized the metal door was wide open today. Looking inside, Adam said it was still mostly empty, except for one thing. The grain chair. A hearse. What the fuck? The warehouse had been closed for two months, and he had no idea why it was suddenly open, especially since there was nobody around, but he posted a picture of the hearse in the warehouse. He definitely thought it was weird, but he tried to put it out of his mind. Then something else happened. The night before, while he was watching TV, he got up to get a drink from the fridge and noticed both cats sitting by the far window, staring at it. The window looks out onto the roof of the business next door. He looked outside but didn't see anything, so he just shrugged it off and grabbed a beer from the fridge. But when he looked out the window in the kitchen, which looks out onto the same roof, he saw someone standing outside, staring at him. Nope. Correct, Monique. Nope. Get the fuck out of there. Bye. Immediately, he crouched down and flicked off the lights and took a photo through the window. He tried to take a better one, but the figure was gone. When the first photo was brightened, it did appear as though there may have been a small figure outside the window. Nothing too defined, but certainly more visible than whatever quote-unquote faces had been seen before now. So you can, this is not the lightened version, unfortunately, but you can see him slightly on the left side and you can zoom in a little bit if you want. 
Like, the picture's dark. It could just be some shit stacked outside, but like, but it does kind of look like a little, yeah, like a little kid, kid out. outside. It's a little creepy. Yeah, it yep. is creepy. And again, it's way more visible and distinctive than any of these like quote unquote faces that everyone's been seeing in like the glass and the reflections and shit. And I don't think I included it, but apparently he takes one right after, and the it's gone in the in the second one. Because this is kind of looking into like another building it's like the roof of the building next door yeah yeah and you don't see anything and it doesn't look like there's a lot of like shit on the roof or anything yeah where it's yeah, like yeah, a bunch yeah. of there's like oh there's buckets and fucking debris right and shit exactly and like metal duct work and like it seems like it's a pretty empty roof yes. and then there's like this humanoid looking figure yeah. on the fucking that one's more compelling than the other yeah that night ends with literally him just like getting drunk on a bunch of beers and being like, I need to forget about this. So then on November 6th, Adam posted about a dream he had the night before about David, almost identical to the first one. David was in a chair again, an old recliner now since the rocking chair had been moved. And again, he was just staring at Adam, who was paralyzed on the bed. But he said something was different this time. He wasn't completely immobile. He could squirm and move his hands a bit. So when David started to approach the bed, he grabbed his phone in his dream and he started to take some pictures. He thought if David was going to kill him, maybe he could get evidence on his phone. David stared at him as he came towards him, mumbling something, his eyes rolling back in his head. Adam said he woke up just as David reached his bed and began to crawl up it. As usual, he shrugged it off and went to work. He said he wasn't even going to write about the dream since it was basically the same as all the others, but when he went into his phone to find a picture from another night, he saw dozens of pitch black photos on his camera roll, all from the previous night. While he thought he was just taking photos in his dream, he had been taking them in real life too. Hmm. The photos are obviously incredibly dark, but when the brightness was turned up, the result was indeed eerie. (gasps) There's a figure clearly visible in several photos, Uh -uh. a small child Mm -mm. with a distinct dent in his head. Mm -mm 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 -mm. The first in the series, they actually kind of like give me chills. Like obviously they're very dark and (gasps) you could, yeah, you could fake them if you had that skill. But like to just the average observer, just taking a quick glance at them and following the story, little chill inducing, a little shiver, shiver me timbers. So, as I just showed Monique, the first picture in the series shows him sitting in the chair staring. The second shows him climbing down from the chair, still staring. The third shows the figure standing right beside the bed next to Adam. While the brightened up photos aren't the best quality and could possibly be made with Photoshop or some sort of practical effect, they definitely no longer fall under the possibility of pareidolia because there is clearly the same figure in all three photos. Yeah. Of the photos, Adam said, quote, usually I can come up with some excuse for what's happening, but I have no logical explanation for this, end quote. He ended the post saying he was just sitting on his couch, freaking out since he knew he wasn't going to be able to sleep. On November 17th, Adam checked in after his followers started wondering if he was still alive. He said that he was and that he was trying to investigate something and wasn't sure how to yet. Apparently, while he'd been tweeting about his previous update, the creepiest fuck photos, he started hearing loud thudding noises coming from above his apartment. He said, quote, it was distinctly the sound of something falling to the floor, end quote. 
Hmm. Which was weird because one, he was on the top floor, and two, he was under the impression that there was no way to access the roof. But after hearing the sound, he started to wonder if there was a crawl space he didn't know about. <gasps> Searching his apartment revealed nothing, but when he went into the hallway, he noticed there was a creepy-looking hatch over the stairs. Get the fuck out. And it's positioned in a place that's nearly impossible to access without some sort of professional ladder. Like, it's legitimately like... 30 plus feet above oh, the stairway, it looks like. That's the hatch. And then if you scroll one over, you can press play and that'll show you how far up the hatch is from the stairs. Oh, shit. It's fucking That's really ba- far. Yeah. Like, I've never seen a crawl space in that sort of location. No. Like, how would you even get to that? It's insane. And you got to fucking roll the dice on that ladder, too. Yeah, you literally- the ladder on stairs. On the stairs, exactly. It's fucking, it's a weird, yeah, it's a weird crawl space situation for sure. Have we considered that Adam is living in an apartment that is not dissimilar to Ghostbusters? <laughs> and that it basically is just a conduit for like yes! creepy shit. For like You know, that's a distinct possibility. We did not we did not entertain that. Cause the hatch is weird. The hatch is pretty fucking weird. After investigating the position of the crawl space in relation to the roof, Adam realized that the position of the hatch must mean that there is at least three feet of empty space above his apartment. Determined to look into the crawl space somehow, he bought a telescoping pole on Amazon, which unfortunately didn't arrive until after he had left town for the holiday. So he returned on November 24th and planned to investigate first thing in the morning. But that night, the sounds coming from above his apartment were terrifying. (gasps) He woke up to an incredibly loud crash, saying he immediately felt strange. Quote, there was a weird energy all around me. I can't explain it. End quote. The crash happened again and again, probably 15 times in a row, followed by a long silence. Then there were smaller, creaky sounds from the hallway that he thought might have been footsteps, and he also distinctly heard something small hit the floor above him and roll. Eventually, the noises stopped, and he fell back asleep. The next morning, he woke up and decided to go out to get a bagel. But when he was walking down the stairs, he noticed there was a lot of debris on the steps right below the hatch. When he looked up, he could see the edge of something was caught in it, barely poking out. Hmm. Bagel forgotten, he went to grab the telescoping pole to nudge open the hatch to see if he could see what it was. He set up his camera to record the process just to make sure it would be caught on video if a demon came out of the hatch. Hmm. The video shows Adam poking the hatch with a telescopic pole and something small and black fall out. While he thought it was a dead squirrel at first, since that would have been a logical explanation for all of the weird noises and shit... It was actually a small leather shoe. Definitely a child's shoe. Definitely a child's shoe. And it like looks like an old Old shoe. shoe. For sure. After finding the shoe, he texted his landlord that he thought there was something in the crawl space and asked if he could come investigate. A few hours later, the landlord showed up with a ladder to check the crawl space. He said there was nothing up there, but then he was like, oh, wait. And he reached for something. Climbing down the ladder, he handed it to Adam. It was smooth and shiny, and he thought for a minute he was looking at an old piece of candy, but it was too cold and heavy. Realizing that it was a marble, he said it was so worn he hadn't even registered it as a marble. He also noted that it had a weird shape with a little bump on one end. What the fuck? Which, after a bit of research, Adam found out that in the early 1900s they made marbles by hand, cutting the molten glass with big metal scissors, which explains the presence of the bump. The bump is called a pontal, and it's what separates a handmade glass marble from a machine-made one. 
Oh. Modern glass marbles made by machines do not have a pontal. Adam ended the thread by saying, quote, Anyway, now I have a decrepit old shoe and a marble sitting on my dresser. I guess this is the new normal, end quote. To which many people's immediate response was, why the fuck would you do that? You're literally asking for trouble by like literally having his items that he can find in your personal space. 10,000 fucking percent. Ill-advised. This is where this is where you're like, okay, if you ever want to see the shoe of marble again. <laughs> get the fuck out. Get the fuck out of my house. Right? If not, I'm torching it. You have 24 hours. Yeah. That's what that's, you fucking yes. do. I want to like burn your connection to this plane, clearly. Snip, yeah. snip. On December 12th, Adam posted apologizing for his hiatus, saying he hadn't been feeling well lately. He wasn't sleeping great. He was still having weird dreams that were vague and hard to describe. And he said he was suddenly sleepy all of the time and getting sudden bouts of dizziness. He chalked it up to something else and fooled himself into thinking that finding the marble and the shoe had somehow ended all of this. Doubt it highly. Right? But on the Wednesday of the previous week, he woke up with a start and he said he felt as though something had been watching him. He turned on the light, but he was alone in the room. Still, he said, there was this tangible feeling of quote-unquote badness. Mm -mm. Everything felt wrong. He explained that it's a feeling he had come to associate with David. While some of his followers suggested that David probably just needed help, Adam disagreed, saying every time he shows up, there's a palpable sense of malice. Despite this, he was so tired, he just went back to sleep, claiming he's been so exhausted he can barely function. The next night, the same thing happened, and he woke up feeling like he had just missed seeing something. He said he wanted to use the pet camera from the living room, but the cord was too short to get a shot of his entire bedroom, so he improvised instead and downloaded an app that takes a photo every 60 seconds. And then he set his phone on top of his bookcase, which had a good view of the room and the bed, and he left the lamp on. He went back to sleep, and just like before, he jolted awake hours later with that same feeling of dread. He immediately grabbed his phone to look at the pictures, and he said there were over 350, and for the first hundred or so, it was just him sleeping in an empty room. But then he comes across a picture that appears to show the same child from before, nope. standing on the chair, watching Adam sleep. In the next one, he's looking straight at the ceiling, still in the chair. Then the figure appears to collapse on the chair, and the next several photos show him slumped over in the chair, unmoving. Adam even admits he thought he was dead for a minute, even though he realized that doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Another photo, this time with the child by Adam's side of the bed. <gasps> then the next photo shows him standing on top of the bed, staring at him sleeping. The next one was worse, according to Adam, because it showed the little boy still on the bed, staring straight at the camera. In the next few shots, David disappears and Adam assumed the rest of the role would go back to him sleeping in the empty room. But there was one final picture of David on the phone. This time, it was only his head with stringy hair and oh. a malformed ear visible in the picture. But it's right in front of the camera. <gasps> a fellow Twitter user made a GIF using the images and real or not, I'll admit, it's fucking creepy. Oh my god. Like, really fucking creepy. So those are the pictures of him from the chair. Mm -mm. Monique's face is correct right now. <gasps> oh my god, him on, him on the bed definitely gave me chills. With the staring straight at the camera? Yes. I have the gift too and I'm going to show you that. The head, is that what you got to? Uh-huh. <gasps> 
I know. It's right in front of the camera and it's pretty clear. Yeah. Uh, like for as far as like sketchy ghost yes. photos go. Yeah. There's not like, really interpretation needed for it. This, if you want to see, is it all together as a GIF, which is obviously a million times more terrifying <gasps> because it's like looks slightly animated and you can like see him moving around the room and it's like, ah. Mm-mm. I mean, that's fucking terrifying. I would never be able to sleep again if this happened to me. And I Move out of the fucking apartment. Fucking, yeah. Here's the thing. He thinks it's going to follow him anywhere, kind of, because like he went to Japan and it still it was like there and all this shit. So It wasn't really, though. He saw the statue, right? Isn't that the only thing that yeah. happened in Japan? Fine. Th- hit me up with a billion statues. I don't want this fucking kid in my room. Fuck no. No. It even appears as though David moves the camera in the last frame. In response, Adam said, quote, I'm at a loss for words, end quote. He looked over, he looked all over his room, but he couldn't find anything. He said he's honestly so exhausted, he doesn't know how to process it, and that all he wanted to do was go back to sleep. Then on December 20th, Adam announced he was flying back home to Montana for the holidays, and on January 2nd, he posted about his trip, saying he felt tired and less foggy for the first few days in Montana, and started to feel hopeful that maybe David was just attached to the house and wouldn't follow him if he moved. How long is this time period between David showing up and, and him putting together that maybe he should just move out of his fucking apartment? Four months we're at now. Get the fuck out of here. Four months, yeah. I would, I would allow four weeks. Before you were like, I need to move and make sure this is not a... This four is not, months? Yeah. He, yeah, he put up with this for a real long time. To be if fair... If this isn't rent stabilized, I literally don't buy this bullshit. I think part of it was probably because he honestly had just moved because he moved from the bottom floor to the top floor. So to like already do all that shit, he probably signed a new lease for having to move into the new place, like all this stuff. I could see it's expensive to break your lease. Like if you don't... Is it? Yeah. You usually have to pay um, like an extra month of rent. Oh, whatever. Fine. Goodbye. But for New York rent. I mean, yes. Yeah. But yes, it's taking him, taking him a little long to put this together. Feeling optimistic, he even started looking for apartments back in New York. But then a few days passed and he started to feel strange again. He felt like there was something moving outside the bathroom window. This is again while he's in in Montana. Montana. Yeah. The next morning, he found animal tracks in the snow outside the window. The same thing happened the next night. And again, he found tracks in the snow outside the house. But when he got closer, he said his heart practically stopped. Because they weren't tracks, they were footprints. Mm -mm. Really small footprints. He followed them across the yard, but they disappeared into a ditch out back. Adam said he was too scared to leave his room for the next few nights and was convinced that wherever he moved, David would always find him. He returned to New York after the holidays, saying he still felt him at night, always watching him. He continued to use the app to take pictures of him and his room while he was sleeping. He said it doesn't seem to work anymore, but he would always leave it running just in case. It picked up one final thing. The night before, he had felt particularly sick and had had nightmares all night. He dreamt that David was hovering in the corner of his bedroom by the ceiling, far off the ground, mouthing something. Then he was hovering above the bed, staring down at Adam, his mouth moving faster than it should be. Adam couldn't move. He could only look up at him. Suddenly, the little boy plummeted down towards (gasps) his chest, and he said he felt this huge pressure crash into his chest. Mm. He woke up gasping with the wind completely knocked out of him. Looking around, he didn't see anything, so he grabbed his phone to check the photos. In the last photo taken by the app, it appears to show a small figure that looks like David plummeting from the ceiling right on top of Adam. What the fuck? 
In response, yep, it's fucking weird. In response, he said, quote, I don't know what to do. I'm at a loss here. I just don't know. End quote. Okay. Not to victim blame. Tell me, girl. But in response to I don't know what to do, let's start with anything. <laughs> Get out of there. He's not like... doing a fucking thing. Okay, fine. The smudging and the sage didn't work. Great. Do something else. I, I've decided that this salt is a around right... the bed. Like anything. Yes. Try anything. Get the Himalayan salt can. Like salt yeah. lamp. I have one in my room. It's beautiful. Crucifixes everywhere. You know, I'm sure you know some like Wiccan and Bushwick. Get that bitch in right? there. Do some incantations. Literally try anything. anything. Because you're not nailing it on doing something to make this stop being a thing. <laughs> Facts, Monique. That's where I'm at with this. And that's why I'm having difficulty believing that this is real. And that if it is real, you have as much of a problem with it as you do. Yes. You are not the only one. Because this is kind of the part of the story where people were like, all right. Four months of it? Four months of this. And basically, as soon as the pictures came out with David and them, everyone was like, you're full of shit. These aren't real. There's no way. Yeah. So on January 16th, he put out another update on Twitter saying he was feeling better and sleeping through the night again. He said he was feeling great, but the things had been sort of weird too. And he couldn't shake. The fuck was that? Right? It's David. It is, right? Girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and he couldn't shake the feeling that something was off. He said he was sleeping fine and he had lots of energy, but that sometimes he seemed to lose time. He also kept thinking he was hearing people talking, then when he would ask them to repeat themselves, they would say they hadn't said anything. But since that all seemed relatively normal in comparison with everything else that he had been experiencing, he figured it wasn't a big deal. Then when he opened Twitter, he saw he had way more notifications than usual, most of them telling him that there was something weird happening with his Instagram story from his brunch the other day. The first two photos he posted in the story are totally normal looking, but the third looks glitchy as fuck, or if you're skeptical, manipulated as fuck. Mm. The colors are way off, there are distorted lines all over it, and there is a clear picture of an eye superimposed over Adam's face. He claims that he has no idea what happened and that it looked perfectly fine on his phone when he uploaded it. Mm. He was obviously freaked out, but said, quote, I don't know if I care anymore. I really just want things to be normal again, and things feel normal enough right now. I don't know. I guess I'll keep you updated if something else happens, end quote. Then, on January 28th, a video was uploaded to Adam's Twitter feed with no caption showing one of his cats sitting in front of the door meowing. In the clip, he meows for about 30 seconds before turning to face the camera and continuing to meow before the video abruptly ends. The weirdest part was that it looks like it's filmed from the floor, which was very unusual and a deviation from the previous videos. Mm. And people wondered if Adam even knew that he had tweeted the odd video. In light of this new post and the strange event from before, many users started to believe that Adam was now possessed by David. Oh, stop. Okay, Zach Bagans. Right. But like, they were like, when he plummeted down, he like went into. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Six days later on February 3rd, Adam tweeted just three words. Everything is fine. There were no capital letters or punctuation, and there was an extra space between the is and fine. 
the tweet was a complete deviation from Adam's usual style. He always used capital letters and correct punctuation, and never before had he done that weird double space thing. Hmm. February 6th, Adam posted a personal announcement saying he had decided to leave his full-time job at BuzzFeed. It was posted back in his usual style, and he cited turning his attention to personal projects as his reason for leaving. Then he finished out the post saying, quote, I'm nervous about what the future holds, but I feel good. I know big things are coming, end quote. It seemed like a normal post from Adam, but there just so happened to be an extra space in between feel and good. At this point, followers weren't even sure if this was still part of the story. On February 14th at 2 a.m., Adam posted another tweet. It said, quote, Please don't worry about me. I'm okay and everything will be like it was before. Smiley face. End quote. Again, there were no capital letters, no apostrophe and don't, and for the first time in all of these 400 posts, he had added a smiley face at the end. An hour later, another cat video was posted showing the cat meowing at the door. It's another oddly set up shot, though, filmed from a low angle with a bunch of stuff between the camera and the door. It's not even a clear shot. Hmm. After the last two cat videos and the weird out-of-character tweets, the story seemed to stall and people thought it had finally ended. On March 12th, he posted saying that he was alive and doing okay and that it had been pretty quiet, but he would update everyone if anything strange happened. His Twitter feed returned to normal, featuring his comics and photographs and messages unrelated to his haunting. Then, on June 6th, The Wrap announced, and Adam confirmed on his Twitter, that a Dear David movie was in the works. Ah, look at it! Adam maintains to this day that the story is true. In a related Q&A with the same publication, the interviewer asked him point blank if it was all real, and he said, quote, I get asked this question multiple times a day, and I've sort of stopped answering either way. I think when people ask about it on Twitter, they've already made up their mind one way or the other. I've never been interested in convincing anyone that ghosts are real. I just wanted to tell my story. If it was all fiction, I probably would have updated more than once every couple of weeks. I mean, there's 400 and how many? 408 posts. There's 408 posts. That's a lot. It is, but because it's Twitter, it has that character limit. So he has to like tell the story Uh, through like a thread. So it's multiple posts that way. But he posts every like one and a half to two weeks. It was like his average posting. That's how you get people fucking hooked. Girl, yes. That's why everyone's obsessed with HBO shit. Because you got to wait for the week. Yep. You jonesing for it. Yeah. And then you're more invested as opposed to when you binge something, then you forget you even fucking saw it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing about that little quote about whether or not it was real. I feel the need to point out he didn't actually answer the question and explicitly say, yes, everything was real. How dare you call me a liar? Why would I make this up? Mm -hmm. I caught that too. actually kind of danced around giving a definitive answer, which to me is a little fishy right off the bat. As for his thoughts on the upcoming high-concept horror thriller based on his tweets, he said, quote, I'm excited to see my experience translated to the screen, end quote. However, just a couple things to keep in mind when considering the veracity of this story. Number one, Adam did work at BuzzFeed as a writer and was working there as the Dear David story unfolded. He even posted articles about his haunting for BuzzFeed. Ah. An astute Twitter user even suggested that Dear David might have been based on a BuzzFeed Unsolved video about the murder of an unknown boy with a strangely shaped head similar to David's. 
Two, Adam is an illustrator and a cartoonist, so not only is he used to creating interesting stories and funny scenarios, but his creative background would also imply that he has the knowledge and the skill to manipulate the images to create a convincing paranormal photo. Mm -hmm. Three, based on his work experience and the industry he works in, it's safe to assume that he's familiar with how to optimize content to get the most views or interaction as possible on his posts. Clickbait. Yep. Lucia Peters pointed out the fairly regular schedule of the David posts every one and a half to two weeks, which was just enough time for people to start to move on to something else before he would post again and draw them right back into the story. Yep. As she points out, Adam has managed to keep people engaged and following the same story for five months, which given the internet's notoriously short attention span is actually ridiculously impressive. Yeah. It's a fucking lifetime on the internet. Yeah. Now, there were obviously always skeptics of the story, even from the beginning. Some people thought the narrative was too scriptive and that he was just using the Dear David story to market himself as an artist. But basically, up until the photos that clearly showed a boy with a dent in his head looming over Adam, it seemed like most of the people following the story were giving him the benefit of the doubt. Mm. When the quote-unquote real photos of David emerged, though, people started calling bullshit saying it was obviously Photoshop or a doll that he had molded to look malformed and used to stage the quote-unquote paranormal photos. Right. Which obviously both are completely within the realm of possibility. Mm -hmm. If it's Photoshop, it's not a terrible job. You can see David's corresponding shadow on the wall matches his position and the lighting of the room, though this might just mean it was more likely a physical doll than Photoshop. But the overall quality of the photos is pretty low, which definitely makes it easier to disguise Photoshop mistakes or the realness of a doll. Right. If that's actually what the figure is. Most people who have accused him of Photoshop use the dark hallway photos as their example, pointing out lighting errors and unclean edges. I have yet to actually see a Photoshop analysis on the photos that actually show David in them, which seems to be because people just immediately dismiss them as blatantly fake. Right. It's like not even worth them getting into. Yes. Uh-huh. Now... Obviously, I'm not an expert in Photoshop, and I can't tell you definitively whether these photos were staged or manipulated in any way, though logic would dictate that they are. However, something did stand out to me as being a little odd, so I did a little investigation of my own. Yes! Because I was incredibly intrigued by the posts about the Polaroids. I kept thinking... I have that exact same camera, and I know that it's super weird for it to take a totally black photo. So I watched the video where he took the picture of the hallway, and I'm not going to lie, I got chills the first time I watched it, because in the video, you can see him take the photo of the fully lit hallway with one hand, set the camera down, pull the picture from the camera with the same hand, and set it next to the non-hallway photo he took right before that. Then he picks it up again, and you see it develop into an all-black photo, which is creepy. Mm -hmm. But as I started to think about it, I started to realize that, one, the videos of him taking the photos aren't a continuous shot. So theoretically, he could have put some sort of tape or something over the lens between the two videos. Ah. Two, I noticed that he never actually shows you the front of the camera in the video to prove that there's nothing covering it. He goes straight from taking the picture to moving the camera out of the way. So I started to realize he actually does a really good job of making sure you never see the front of the camera in the video. Mm. He also implies that when you intentionally cover the lens, it has a distinctly different look than the pitch black hallway photo, and he shows the two pictures side by side for comparison. 
And here's the thing. I showed you that picture before. They do look different. Yeah, totally. But that's because the finger over the lens photo isn't fully developed yet. Because despite starting to develop after a few minutes, Polaroids actually take over 30 minutes to fully develop. So like I said, I did a little experimenting. I covered the lens of the camera with a piece of cardstock and a bunch of painter's tape, which to be honest, didn't even stick that well. Then I took a picture with the lens covered. The picture did indeed turn all black. There's a very tiny speck of light in the corner where my tape wasn't covered, but even with that, the entire rest of the picture is pitch black, just like the hallway photo. So I have proof. That's my Polaroid camera that is exactly the same model as his. It's even the same color. Yeah. I have three photos for you. So this is a blank Polaroid photo, which is what it looks like with nothing developed. This is a regular picture I took with it. And this is the covered picture that I took with it. There you go. Oh, we're not done yet. Oh, shit. Amy traded an investigative journalist. Girl, I'm obsessed I went with this. Real deep. I'm obsessed with this. So, like I said, the picture is pitch black, just like the hallway photo, and not the lighter version, like an Adam's quote unquote covered lens photo, but pitch black. Even with the little speck of light on the yes. corner, you can see it's all black. But it was while I was watching the photo develop that I realized that my photo not only looked like the first one, but after an hour, once it was finished developing, it also looked exactly like the second picture, Uh the creepy hallway one. Yeah. Now, in case you're not convinced by just that, I also went through the video of him taking the picture very carefully in an attempt to get a clearer view of the camera and really whether or not I could see if he covered the lens with anything. In the video, there is a split second where the camera (gasps) is visible from above, so I slowed the video down and moved it frame by frame to get the clearest image of the camera as possible. Amy! And guess what? In the screenshot I took, even as grainy as it is, you can clearly see a tiny piece of something hanging off the edge of the lens, most likely a piece of tape to cover the lens to give you that spooky all-black photo of a well-lit hallway. Girl. Girl! I went real deep. You I put on sure my fucking did. investigative journalist hat, and I went real deep. So here's the screenshot, and you watch the whole video so you can verify that this is from the video. Look at the very corner of his lens. <gasps> is that not a blatant fucking like yeah. piece of tape or something hanging off the corner of the lens? Yep. Yeah, because as you know, lenses are circular, and there is like a rectangular thing coming off of the side. Off the edge. Yeah. It's pretty fucking obvious, in my opinion, that that's what it is. Like, the lens is very clearly covered. You never see the front of the camera in that video. It would be so easy to fucking fake that video and make it seem like you got a dark picture from a clearly lit hallway. I mean... Amy Traden figured this shit out. Bam. Bam. This is where your chemistry degree totally worked out for you, where you're like, I am totally like (laughs) testing this out. I was like, there, I just, there's something sketchy about this. And I was like, I'm going to fucking figure out what the fuck it is. And that was it. It wouldn't have occurred to me that he was covering the camera. Especially because he was like, no, no, I took a picture when I covered the lens. Like it looks completely different. Trust me, he's being fucking convincing. He's, he's going about this the correct way to convince you. Yeah. But again, that was one of his first pieces of quote-unquote evidence. And since I obviously feel the need to call bullshit on that, it makes me feel like we have to call bullshit on all of it. 
-hmm. If the experience was real, you wouldn't need to fake evidence. So the fact that there's clearly fake evidence from the beginning, it logically follows that the rest of the evidence must also be disregarded as fake. Yep. Don't get me wrong. The Dear David story is still creepy as fuck. And Mm -hmm. I honestly enjoyed the ride. But I also think that to continue to imply that this is a true story four years after the fact goes beyond disingenuous. Because as far as I can tell, Adam Ellis is still claiming or at least implying that this is a true story. Right, because he's not saying it did or didn't happen. It's like, I'm not even going to have this conversation. Right. Which is the most gaslighty bullshit thing ever. Totally. Not only that... Because it's shitty, and but like it's one of the things like, all right, whatever. Like you create a story and experience for people and you don't want to like ruin that or taint that. It's, it's because yeah. if he's, because then they don't get to say based on actual events, on true events. And at the beginning of the fucking movie when they're promoting it. And then people are not going to want to fucking go. Exactly. So like I said, it wouldn't really bother me that much. Except for the fact that he has clearly benefited from this fabricated tale. Mm-hmm. Not only did he get a movie deal out of it. He is also now one of the stars of a new travel channel show called Trending Fear that premiered in 2020. The description reads, quote, In 2017, Adam Ellis captured the image of a ghost child in his New York City apartment. In a state of fear and confusion, he documented his haunting on social media under the hashtag Dear David. 14 million people feverishly followed his terrifying experience in real time. Now Adam and two of his friends are on a mission to help others understand and escape their own paranormal nightmares. In assisting others, Adam hopes what he learns from his hands-on investigations will lead to a deeper understanding of his own infamous haunting, end quote. In the end, I guess until Adam comes out and admits the whole thing was a hoax or an elaborate interactive narrative experience, if you want to put a PR spin on it, Mm. It still stands as a quote-unquote true ghost story, one I'm going to have to respectfully call bullshit. That being said, I think it's a very compelling and creative story that was told in an incredibly unique way, and true or not, I'm honestly really looking forward to seeing the movie when it comes out, and as long as they don't say based on a true story in the beginning, I'm fine. They're absolutely gonna say it. They're absolutely gonna fucking say it. But I'm going on record with my fucking evidence saying bullshit 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 Um, that was amazing thank you i am beyond impressed with your investigative journalism i wish i'd been on a true crime one let's be honest but i'm not solving a cold case i can only (laughs) debunk ghost stories we have made that very clear we're not solving any cases girl let's fucking do that and get a fucking show so we can get a celebrity ghost right like if i knew that would be that easy i would have fucking said i was haunted uh ages ago let's fucking cover up the lens and take all these pictures and be like yes oh my god a ghost a ghost (laughs) give us a show on travel channel thank you that being said while i was doing this story i was sitting in my bedroom and my bedroom door just like slammed out of the (gasps) blue and I was like, oh, okay. I was like, the the office window must be open or the bathroom window must be open because it's that pressure differential yeah, that causes the door to do that. And then I got up to check and both of those windows were closed. And I was like, get the fuck out. Um, okay. Well, I was like, my bedroom window was open. Like, I'm just going to say it was like not closed enough and the wind caught it from this angle. And that's what that was. That I remember that happening to me when I was in Miami at Christina's place working on a story. I think it was our Yes, our yes, first, yes, yes. And in no, the no, middle no, of nope, it. Nope. It like opened and then Mm-mm. slammed and I'm like, okay, I know. <laughs> I'm just going to ignore that. I know. I had 
had a moment where I was like, uh, if Dear David haunts me because I said this was bullshit and then this is my punishment, I'm going to be so pissed. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I would be. <laughs> Fortunately, I don't think that's the case. I think I'm okay. No, but he's, it's totally fake. I will tweet you guys if some shit goes down. And especially since, as I've gone on record many a time, I totally believe in ghosts. I have had my own experiences. And to me, like, if you believe me or not, I kind of don't give a shit because I was there and I know what happened to me. Yes, exactly. But like really early on, I was like, this smells of bullshit. Yes. But you don't like show people photos being like, this is a photo I took of my ghost and shit. You're just like, no. you can take my word for it if you want to and believe whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. Like my things I very much believe happen. I, I believe yes. them to, to not have a, a natural cause or something yes. of the natural world because I always like try to do the debunking first. Yeah. Like what To not just see, jump to the ghost. Yes. And then when I don't, get that I'll be like that was curious or there's like a fucking ghost something's up yeah and I'm not obviously saying every ghost story is bullshit I'm saying this, this one specific ghost story is bullshit yeah and yes I've had like a couple of not great experiences in my apartment yeah but if every two weeks some crazy shit was happening and my camera was picking up a little boy like looking at me and shit Fuck. I would not be still living there no Fuck no. Absolutely not. No. No, this is bullshit. bullshit. I mean, you, it is certifiably because you, you've fucking Boom. caught it. I got the receipts. I you have, have evidence. It. I have the screenshot of the goddamn video. And I challenge you to tell me that's anything else but something over the fucking lens of that camera. Because that's obviously what the fuck it is. Amy has the motherfucking receipt. <laughs> and not fucking around. I truly am giddy about it. I'm so excited. <laughs> I got giddy. When I saw it, I was like... <gasps> I have I have done a thing. I have found a thing. And I was like, I fucking looked everywhere. I could not find anybody else who had brought this up and like made a point to fucking look through this shit. So I wiped my hands at this. Amy Traden, Trailblazer. For the win. Fuck yes. <laughs> I'm I didn't know it was possible for me to be more obsessed with you than I really am. Yes. I'm so excited. But yet you have done it, Good. my dear. I wanted to make you proud this week. You do every week. Yay. But this was Chef's kiss. This mm. was amazing. Good. This was amazing. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed um, it. I mean, I put together that this was probably yeah, bullshit. Yeah, pretty much everyone did, but nobody could actually, like, everyone was just like, yeah, the pictures are Photoshop. And it was like, okay, cool. But like, where's the proof? Like, I need more. I want a concrete right. thing. Yes. Because you're a fucking scientist. Fucking scientist. Amy Traden, woman of, woman of science. Bam. I was not ready for the twist that you fucking cracked the case. Good. I'm glad it was worth the uh, kind of long ghost story, kind of long bullshit ghost story. But yeah. I thought the end was uh, worth it, really. Oh, absolutely. That was amazing. Good. I'm so glad you liked it. Are you ready to regale me with some true crime? I am. All right. All right. Regale me. So I'm going to be doing the Buffalo Ouija murder. <gasps> Yes. That's why I was a little confused yeah, for a second. I was yeah. like, nope, that's nope, not me. That's not me. Uh, sources. Buffalonews.com, listverse.com, the Brantford Expositor, Exemplor.com, New York Daily News.com, Forcedlawn.com, TheGuardian.com, Wikipedia, and True Nightmares, which I brought up. Yes! Yes! Did you watch it? I did watch oh, it. So That's excited. how I found out about the story. Fuck yes. Friend of the pod, Todd Robbins, Todd Robbins. hosts hey. True Nightmares, and I'm obsessed. It's great. I will say they do whitewash a lot. 
Huh. In their reenactments. So problematic. Okay. Yeah. Todd's fantastic. Otherwise, I really love it. Yeah. And Todd's not in charge of casting, so. No. So yeah. So that's not on him. Yeah. Don't hold that against him. No. Like one of the episodes, it's funny because several episodes cover stories we've actually done already. Really? Oh, I love that. It makes me so excited. <laughs> For sure. Especially when people bring some shit up and I'm like, oh, by the way, do you know this, this, and this? Actually. Hey, thanks. Yeah. So they cover Mike Malloy. Fuck yes! Iron Mike. Fuck yeah, Iron Mike. And they cover the Russian doll maker. Hey! That she had. Yeah. And in that reenactment, no one's remotely Russian. Like at all. <laughs> Shocking! <laughs> so... Uh, Which is weird for Russia, yeah. Yeah, it's very, um, like, if, if you weren't super paying attention, you would have thought that it was, like, because it starts off with the, the parents going to their daughter's grave and seeing it desecrated. Yeah. They very much look like a Candace and Jeff, not like... <laughs> it's like this could take place in Oklahoma or some shit. Exactly. Yeah. Like, if, if they didn't have, I'm assuming they don't have accents, yeah. No, there's absolutely not an accent to behold. <laughs> not at all. To the point that my story deals with Native Americans, and I did not get that at all from the reenactment. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so, like, literally looking up, they're like, they're Native Americans? What? Literally. <laughs> so, casting department of True Nightmares, you're not nailing it. Step up. Yeah. Step your pussy up. <laughs> As uh, in the immortal words of RuPaul, who is nailing it is Todd Robbins, fucking obviously. We're obsessed with you. So before I go into the story of the murder, I am going to tell you about the Ouija board because there was a lot of shit I didn't know about it and Ooh. I found it really fascinating. Oh, please tell me. So I'm going to impart that knowledge with you fine folk. The Ouija, also known as a spirit board or talking board, is a flat board marked with the letters of the alphabet, the numbers zero to nine, the words yes, no, and goodbye, along with various symbols and graphics. It uses a small heart-shaped piece of wood or plastic known as a planchette as a movable indicator to spell out messages during a seance. Participants place their fingers on the planchette and it is moved around the board to spell out words, in case you didn't know what the fuck a Ouija board yeah. was. But I don't want anyone to feel left out. Though the board is a fixture in American pop culture, very little is known about where it came from. Historians have found evidence that in the 1880s, people were using so-called talkie boards in Ohio, but nobody seems to know where the idea came from. Huh. That already shocks me. Yes. After the Civil War, spiritualism exploded in America. The mass deaths caused by the Civil War created a widespread desire to contact the dead, and mediums began marketing their services in major cities around the country. Historian Robert Murch said, quote, Everyone lost a father, a son, an uncle, a grandfather, a cousin. Death touched everyone in a way that had never happened in the U.S., end quote. Many families had to grapple with the bodies of their loved ones never being recovered, and spiritual devices like the Ouija board gave people peace of mind by answering questions that no one else could. Like Band-Aid or Kleenex, the trademark name Ouija is now generally used for all talking boards, but the name was coined by Helen Peters, a medium who was using the board with her brother-in-law Elijah Bond and his friend Charles Kennard one night in Baltimore in 1890. When she asked what they should call it, the planchette spelled out Ouija. When they asked the board what that meant, it replied, good luck. Oh, okay. Didn't know that. Eerie, also. Yeah. 
Like, this is my name, bitch. Say my name. Yeah. No one is around you. Say, baby, I love you. Oh, you gotta go. Beyonce, get on this. I yes. want to hear the remix. Destiny's Child. Oh. Uh. The building where Helen named the board is now a 7-Eleven, which has a plaque commemorating the event on the wall. What? Yep. Damn. All right. So there it's a you big go. deal. Her brother-in-law, Elijah, got the first patent on the Ouija board, but the business was soon taken over by an employee and future American entrepreneur, William Fold, who began to market the board in national catalogs like Sears. Oh, shit. All right. Linda Rodriguez McRobbie from Smithsonian Magazine says, quote, it was marketed as both mystical oracle and as family entertainment, fun with an element of otherworldly excitement. This meant that it wasn't only spiritualists who bought the board. In fact, the people who disliked the Ouija board the most tended to be spirit mediums, as they found their job as spiritual middlemen cut out. End That's quote. crazy. Didn't even okay. occur to me. It didn't even occur to me, but you're so right. Yeah. Yeah. Because okay. they're like, why the fuck do I need you? I got this board for 19.99. Yeah, I can do what you do. I yeah. just asked the board. Bye. Yeah, thanks. The fact that the inventors of the device refused to reveal how it worked only added to its mystique and made it more of a must-have item. As the board's popularity and profit increased, most of the early investors sought to highlight their role in the creation of the Ouija board. But Helen Peters who had named it, wanted nothing more to do with it after the board had caused serious damage to her family. Wow. Okay. When some Civil War family heirlooms went missing from Helen's home, she asked the Ouija board who had taken them. According to her grandson, the board spelled out the name of a family member. Half of the family believed it, <gasps> and the other half, including Helen, didn't. Oh, shit. But that incident was enough to create a huge rift in the family that was never resolved and yeah. tore the family apart. Shit. Fuck. Okay. After the fight, Helen sold all of her stock in the company, and until her dying day, she would tell everyone, quote, don't play with the Ouija board because it lies, end quote. <gasps> ominous as fuck that was that weirdly gave Same. me chills like i feel like it shouldn't have but it did it gave me chills reading it <sighs> william fold the entrepreneur who marketed the boards had his own ouija related family troubles in 1919 he cut his brother out of the business and the two never spoke again damn that year was a particularly good one for sales following the first world war and the spanish flu epidemic it's so weird that it's like its popularity is literally tied to like mortality. Yeah. Oh Which my god. Makes Which all makes the sense, sense in the world. But it's still just like so it's supposed to be like a toy. It's supposed to be like a fun family toy. Like can you imagine right. Tickle Me Elmo's like sales went up every time <laughs> fucking there were wars and shit? Like, no. Right. Yeah. <sighs> it's so crazy. Like, of course it makes sense, yeah. but it's not like <gasps> The Spanish flu happened. Get the Ouija out. We're going to touch a grandpa. (laughs) You know, like, it's fucked up. In a 1920 article, the New York Times compared the popularity of the Ouija board to that of bubblegum. Damn. And in 1927, the Baltimore Sun reported that Fold had personally made $1 million from sales off of the board. Holy shit. Yes. It, it, I'm not prepared for the level of the Ouija board, clearly. Me yeah. fucking either. That's no. why I included all of this, because it's fucking crazy. Uh, yeah. He continued to open new factories to keep up with the demand of the novelty item. In addition to the two factories in Baltimore, 
two in New York, two in Chicago, and one in London. Granted, these factories only are make? only making Ouija boards. What? It's not like, oh, this and like... We make all the toys of this. Yeah, okay. It's literally just fucking Ouija boards. That's so wild. Okay. Fold built the largest, a three-story building in Baltimore, after the Ouija board itself told him to, quote, prepare for big business, end quote. Okay, Ouija board. I didn't know you had a degree in business, but I will take it. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> in early 1927, he went up to the roof of the building the Ouija board had told him to construct to supervise the replacement of a flagpole. According to the Baltimore Sun, quote, he was standing near the edge of the roof, grasping an iron support of the pole to sturdy himself, when the support suddenly pulled away and he toppled over backward, end quote. That Ouija board set up his death. Wait, this is where it gets fucking crazy. Oh God, okay. On his way down, Fold somehow managed to grab a hold of the sill of an open window, like literally How? like in a fucking cartoon. Yes. That's so impressive. Wait, this is crazy. Okay, fuck. But then the window suddenly closed, (gasps) sending him crashing down to the sidewalk below. He broke several ribs, but was expected to survive. Until a bump in the road on the way to the hospital sent one of the fractured bones through his heart and he fucking died. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, what are the odds of this? Of all of it. This is insane. That I blame it on Luigi. Oh, 100%. Like, all of it. Yeah. His family continued to run the business until 1966, when they sold it to Parker Brothers, which was later bought by Hasbro, whose website warns, quote, handle the Ouija board with respect, and it won't disappoint you. End quote. <gasps> Ominous. That even gave me chills. I know. Me too. They know what the fuck's up. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, on to our story. All of this was just background I that I thought all of that. That was, was fucking fascinating. fascinating. Yeah. And there's a whole thing about like a billion people claim to have invented the Ouija board. But there's no real record of it. No. Yeah. The closest thing is the first person to patent it was Helen's brother-in-law. Okay. Like basically the next day it was like, we need to fucking patent, patent the Ouija this. board. Yeah. And Helen came up with the name. With the name. After asking it. But there's like a bazillion people who are like, I actually invented it. And then they stole it. Like so many, like I could do an entire fucking episode of everyone who's claimed to have invented the Ouija board. Yeah. But I wanted to streamline this because that's not actually what the story is about. <laughs> <laughs> now to the murder. <laughs> it's just a Monique tangent of like interesting facts. I thought. Oh, and it's I fascinating. Hope, yeah. I hope you guys found it fascinating. Yeah. Too. You can use that in dinner conversation later. Guys, I yeah. love that. So on to our story. In the fall of 1929, two Native American women from the Seneca tribe sat stooped over a Ouija board on the Cataraugus Reservation near Buffalo, seeking to conjure a conversation from beyond the grave. On one side of the planchette was Nancy Bowen, a 66-year-old tribal leader. Opposite her was 36-year-old Lila Jimerson, who worked at a reservation school. The women wanted an explanation for the recent death of Nancy's husband, Charlie, who had also been a Seneca healer. Shortly after placing their fingers on the planchette, the board started to reveal its message from Charlie. They killed me, it read. (gasps) When the two women asked who, the board spelled out its answer, Clotilde, 
The messages said that Charlie had been killed by black magic and was wandering hungry and distraught in the spirit world, awaiting to be avenged. <gasps> no. Over the course of several sessions with the Ouija board, the message spelled out the killer's address on Riley Street what? and a description of the perpetrator. Damn. Short with bobbed hair and missing teeth, which, That's damn, pretty savage. Pretty specific, yeah, also. I was like, Jesus. Turns out, Lila knew a woman named Clotilde. She was the wife of Henri Marchand, the sculptor whom Lila had been modeling for. Henri Marchand was born in Paris in 1877. A graduate of several European academies, the artist studied under Rodin and received many awards for his art, including a gold medal and the grand prize at the Paris Exposition. Oh, shit. So, no joke. That's no joke, yeah. I tried to to find out if it was the Paris Exposition where they unveiled the Eiffel Tower. Yes, yes, yes. But... But I couldn't find that information, and there okay. was like a thousand Paris expositions. Yeah. So, but let's say that let's say that That's it was fun. at the same yeah, one. That's called artistic license. Yeah. <laughs> Imagination <laughs> is your limit. Yeah, exactly. In the early 1900s, Henri and his wife Clotilde, who was also an artist, but she didn't really like sell her work or show it. Okay. Anywhere, just like kind of as a hobby. Just I like guess. Funsies. I, I don't. I don't know if it was like that thing where. She got married and then kind of gave it up or... Okay. Which could have been a yeah. little bit. Or it was a hobby. I don't I don't really know. She didn't do it like for work. Okay. So Henri and his wife Clotilde moved to the United States. Mr. Marchand began working as a diorama artist at the New York State Museum in Albany. And his work on the museum's Iroquois dioramas in 1918 earned him recognition and attracted worldwide attention. In 1925, the couple and their family moved to Buffalo, where Henri and his sons Paul and George were to construct dioramas for the Society of Natural Sciences, later the Buffalo Museum of Science. The nature dioramas and wax models by Henri Marchand were among the museum's leading attractions at the time. Wow, So people are literally going to this museum just to see his dioramas. Damn! So he's a big fucking deal. In the course of his work on the dioramas... Henri worked closely with the Senecas. He had a cottage near the Native American reservation and became acquainted with Lila, who modeled for him. After the seance, Nancy received several letters signed by an unknown Mrs. Dooley. One of the letters read, quote, I know something secret. I decided that I'd better tell you and help you out. What I can. This is what I know. Charlie Bowen is killed by which in this city of Buffalo. It was from a French woman. She killed Charlie because he had good medicine to sell in the city. Her witchcraft didn't work so good, so she decided to kill him. She killed many, many that way, Indians and white. But let me tell you more. She said she fixed another doll. The same this doll is his wife, Nancy. End quote. What the fuck? So Nancy grew concerned that Clotilde had indeed killed her husband, and if she didn't do something about it, she was going to be next. On March 7th, 1930, Nancy went to the Marchand's home at 576 Riley Street. Clotilde answered the door and found an unfamiliar Native American woman on her doorstep. In broken English, Nancy accused her of being a witch and killing her husband. She then pulled out a hammer and attacked the petite Frenchwoman, finishing the job by stuffing a chloroform-soaked rag down Clotilde's throat. 
Jesus. Yeah. That is very excessive. You don't need to go that far. A lot. Yeah. A short time later, her body was found sprawled across the first floor landing by her 12-year-old son when he came home from school. No. I know. At first, it was thought that Clotilde's death was a result of falling down the stairs, but the medical examiner soon found bloody gashes, signs of a furious struggle on the victim's body, and the odor of chloroform. Oh, I thought the chloroform was odorless, is it not? Does it have a smell to it? A pleasant, non-irritating odor. I take that back. I was thinking it smelled like almonds, and I was like, no, it's, it's That's cyanide. Yeah. Fun fact. Yes, girl. Hey, girl. Which, also fun fact... I think, like, a third of the population can't smell almonds. Really? Or, like, some some percentage can't. So there have been <gasps> medical examiners... Oh, shit! ...who don't smell the almond smell when they're, you know, investigating a body. And then, like, that's cool, that's cool. And then when they go and re-examine the body afterwards because there's some fishy shit... Yeah! It comes out that it's cyanide poisoning and they couldn't smell the almonds because they... It's Interesting. Like a, I wonder if that's like a genetic thing. Like I think some, it's a genetic thing. Because some people don't taste cilantro correctly. Right. And it it's tastes like soap. like soap to them. Yes. Which is not how cilantro tastes. And if you have this, that is a genetic thing that you have that makes that happen. I'm pretty sure it's the same thing. Yeah. I think you might be right. That you can't smell it. That's crazy. Fun random fact. You're I love welcome. that. Witnesses had seen a Native American woman casing the house in the days leading up to the murder. And when the cops asked whether any natives had any reason to harm his wife, Henri pointed authorities towards one of his models, Lila. When police arrested the Seneca woman, she quickly gave up Nancy's name, and by 10 p.m. on the day of the murder, Lila and Nancy were both in custody for the murder of Clotilde, which, get it, Buffalo PD. Yeah, Literally right? same fucking day. Damn. You guys are nailing it. And Nancy spilled the fucking tea. She told the cops everything. She told the cops about the Ouija board, that she had used it to speak with her dead husband. He told her that Clotilde had killed him. She told them about the mysterious letters from Mrs. Dooley, saying that Nancy was going to be next. She openly admitted to killing Clotilde with a hammer and stuffing the chloroform-soaked rag down her throat. All of it. She confessed. Case closed. So I don't know if this next bit went down this way, but... I'm going to tell you how the reenactment in True Nightmares reveals this next piece of information. I am so excited right now. I'm obsessed. And I'm, and I'm going to tell you, the reenactments are pretty decent okay. on this show. It's not... Besides the whitewashing, yeah. The whitewashing is very problematic. Yeah. For obvious reasons. But they're very decent. It's okay. not like every other show. Okay. That's horrendous. Okay. So... In the reenactment, she confesses and the police officer takes down her statement. He then tells her to read it and confirm that everything is correct, and if it is, to sign the confession. Nancy looks down at the confession. There's a dramatic pause. Oh, shit. She says, quote, I'm sorry, detective. I can't do that. End quote. And they're like, um, hello, you just admitted to murder. It's all right there. Just... Sign it. Yeah. Just sign it. Like, just the way you said it. Just read it and sign it. She says, quote, I know, and I would read it and sign it if I could, but I can't read. End quote. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Nancy had never learned to read or write. So they're like, what the fuck? If you can't read, how do you know that the Ouija board yeah. told you this? Oh, her good friend Lila told her. Oh. <gasps> 
full body chills. Lila, you bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Lila would read the alleged messages from Nancy's late husband, formed the spelled out letters into sentences, and translated them into their Native American tongue. Oh my god. Henri claimed that Lila was infatuated with him and obsessed with him and had plotted to kill his wife out of jealousy. So the police told the press that Lila was an unrequited lover who convinced her naive friend to commit the crime so that she could romance the artist. And the press had a fucking field day with this. I'm sure. Oh my God. This is hot goss right here. Oh, it's the hottest goss that has ever gossed. Lover. Yeah, like we got everything. It's great. Absolutely. The Ouija board murders became a national sensation. It was one of those crimes of the century that are like oh, every couple yeah. of years. Okay. It was dubbed one of those. Crime of the century. Can you imagine? Yeah, with a fucking Ouija board? Right? Girl. Ugh. With the women portrayed as, quote, untamed squaws, <gasps> end quote. You motherfuckers. Oh, um, it's going to get real bad in this act. Uh, Did it matter that the two women were virtually indistinguishable in manner and dress from other Buffalonians and that even though they spoke with accents, so did half of the population? Not a goddamn bit. Wow. In the papers, Nancy became known as, quote, the hex woman, end quote. She was described as, quote, sinister, stooped, and withered, end quote. And even though she was heavier set and not withered at all and quite lively, but eh, facts, who needs them? I'm going to read you an excerpt from the Brantford Expositor from March 1930 so you can see how they described Lila. And spoiler, basically every quote from now until the end of this story is going to get outrageously offensive. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. It's the times. I'm not surprised. I mean, yes. When and everyone's I was, awful. Yeah. I was not fucking ready for oh, how no. awful. You're never ready. So you've been warned. Quote, Lila Jimerson, a Seneca, India, 35 years old and looking every day of it. Oh, this isn't a fucking newspaper. Uh, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. I am... Older than 35 and hot as fuck. So yeah. fuck you. <laughs> Seriously. Tall, thin, flat-chested. <gasps> a fucking newspaper. This is insane. Like, what is he going to say? She's a part of the Itty Bitty Titty Committee of Second? Like, come, fuck, go fuck yourself, dude. This is fucking nuts. And said to be in advanced stages of tuberculosis, dowdy, even seedy in appearance, has spent her entire life among Indians on reservation near Buffalo, Six grades in an Indian school, worked as a berry picker for cannery. Then there's like, you know how sometimes in the middle of an article, there'll be like a headline in, in the middle to yeah, like break it up. Kind to of. break it up yeah. and be like, we're going to be talking about this other point now. Like this is a different section. Yeah. So then there's one of those that says, Lila, no Pocahontas. Uh, all righty then. I don't know how to react to that. This is all fucking awful. Wait, like, it continues. Lila lacks a lot of being a Pocahontas. Why Marchand ever, quote unquote, fell for her remains unexplained. Like, this is so fucking... 
questioning my relationship and like why somebody would ever fucking because they're like she's not like i'd fuck pocahontas i don't know why anyone would fuck this chick oh my god also pocahontas was like 14 yeah settle down alienists have pronounced her sane but with a quote witch complex end quote which i don't know what the fuck that is i don't know what that is is that just you like a guy complex where you think you're a witch I mean, that's pretty rad. Yeah, I'm down. Okay. I mean, I'm into it. Yeah. Time Magazine dubbed her, quote, Red Lila Jimerson, end quote. And even though she was slim and considered attractive by most accounts, Time Magazine described her as, quote, sallow, flat-chested, scraggle-haired, and toothless, end quote. I... I Like the jaws on the floor. The flat-chested thing is just like... I mean, it's all unnecessary and terrible, but like, that's why are we bringing my tits di- into this? You shouldn't be looking at my fucking tits. Like, they should not even enter the fucking conversation. Yeah, what does this have to do with the fact that I tricked my friend into murdering a woman via the Ouija board? Literally nothing. This is ridiculous. Nancy and Lila were indicted by a grand jury for first degree murder, and Henri was arrested as a material witness rather than a suspect. Henri, of course, was cast as a victim. One paper said the recent widower, quote, never was aware of the fierce aboriginal passions he had aroused, end quote. Which, what the fuck? All right. Guys, I'm sorry I'm just so fucking hot that Native Americans literally can't handle it. Like, what? What the fuck are you talking about? This is so insane. God, and just go fuck yourself. When it came out that at the time of the murder, Lila was riding around with Henri in his car... Henri dismissively said, quote, Indians love to go for automobile rides, end quote. Okay, like, it's 1930, right? Yes. Uh, I'm pretty sure everybody loves to ride in automobiles because the other option is fucking walking. Or like being on a horse for like 7,000 hours. Yeah. Who doesn't love a fucking car? I love a car now. Like, what? (laughs) Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Just the blatant racism is so fucking crazy. It's wild. I just wasn't aware that it was this blatant. Or we'd literally like post it in the fucking newspaper? Yeah. In like Time Magazine. Yes! Like, what the fuck are you talking about? A reputable about? news source. This isn't just some like podunk fucking newspaper where everyone's racist there. Like this is supposed to be... Yeah, no, apparently everyone's just racist, period. Yeah. That's what's happening. In case you didn't know. <laughs> Henri swore that he and Lila were only acquaintances. She modeled for him and was clearly obsessed with him and jealous of his wife. And prosecutor Guy Moore just gobbled that shit up. No questions. Guess the fuck what, guys? That was a fucking lie. In a jailhouse interview, Lila told reporters not only that she and Henri had had an affair, but that it began on September 1st, 1922. And for those keeping track... Holy shit! That's eight fucking years. Yeah! So the affair started during an automobile ride. Lila wanted to go to the village and because Lila, her, her um, reservation is like 30 miles away from town. Oh, gee. yeah. She likes cars. She doesn't want to walk 30 miles to town. You asshole. Exactly. Seriously? Fuck you. Seriously? God. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself so hard. And your name is Henri. I know it's Henry, but I fucking hate you. Yeah. <laughs> You're the Zach. With the oh K my of God, this episode. You are, you are. With your silent age. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. So Lila wanted to go to the village and Henri offered to take her in his car and then he kissed her. 
Many more rides followed, and their romance grew to the point that they began making overnight trips out of town together. Oh, shit. Right? That was a big deal back in the day, so yeah. It's a fucking big deal now. That's that's very true. The first time you have an overnighter with the person you're banging? And a trip? Yeah. That's a big fucking deal. Oh, yeah. You're trusting them not to murder you. Number one. Facts. And then you're like, this could be really disastrous. Oh, yeah. Like, there's a difference of like a 40-minute bang sesh. Where I can get the fuck out of here if you start yeah. saying some shit I don't like. But or now we're, I'm stuck in a car. We're doing with you. an overnight? Yeah. That's important. <laughs> yeah. That's that is a, a milestone in a relationship. Oh yeah. So they're fucking having overnight trips. As one newspaper horrendously put it, Henri quote, enjoyed playing a caveman lover to a primitive Indian girl. End quote. Which what the actual fuck? I don't even know what that means. Like he wants to pretend that he's a caveman because she's Native American? I don't... I don't fucking know. I have This no shit is crazy. Idea. Yeah, this artistic license or some shit over here. I think they're going a little wild with this. And for the record, I'm pulling these quotes directly, directly. Oh, from sure. the newspaper clippings. Oh my this God. isn't even from, like, an article. No, I found the clippings. Ugh. And I'm, this is where I'm pulling these quotes. Yeah. Oh, my God. What the actual fuck? It's insane. It's so wild. <laughs> it's not okay. I, I guess I'm just not used to like this level of blatant racism. No, I mean, because we've come pretty far and we should not be that blatantly racist anymore. So yeah. Yeah, I'm used to the like, we're totally not racist and I'm woke. And then you are but through your yes. action. But like we put a nice veneer on it. Yeah. With the Instagram filter, it's fine. Exactly. So it's going to get like uh, really... <laughs> really outrageous if it wasn't already so like if you're driving if you're like near fragile things if you have a table in front of you you might fucking flip it because (laughs) enraged you're gonna get so fucking pissed hulk smash this whole fucking apartment it's absolutely a hulk smash yeah in court Henri admitted that lila was one of his many lovers how many lovers do you ask to directly quote this asshole quote too many to count. End quote. Bullshit. When they say that, they mean two. Settle down. He characterized their affair as a, quote, professional necessity. End quote. You see, he had to seduce Native American women because it made them more willing to bear their breasts for his diorama modeling. Oh, and by the way, his wife was, like, totally new and totally super cool with his, like, free love lifestyle, which, sure, Jan, what the fuck ever. Yeah, I'm sure she was, like, super on board with it. Yeah. So he's like, I mean, I had to. If I wanted her to flash my tits for my diorama, I had to fuck her. Like, it's just comes with the job. That just goes hand in hand, obviously. Obviously. Guess the fuck what? Lila's relatives had the fucking receipts and gave the press a stack of love letters <gasps> Henri had written to Lila during their long affair as evidence that this was way more than just a professional necessity. Yes, bitch! Yes! Also, like, don't say that shit if you know you wrote letters. Like, people are fucking stupid. <laughs> what? No, this is the 1930s equivalent of I didn't kill that person, and then you have. 3,000 texts planning with the other person that you did it. This is literally the exact same thing. Oh my gosh. Okay. Nancy testified that compelled by supernatural forces, she tried to kill Clotilde with hexes, but when that didn't work, she finally resorted to a hammer and chloroform. It was shown in Erie County Court that Lila 
had purchased a hammer from a store on Jefferson Avenue for 10 cents and gave it, along with a bottle of chloroform, to Nancy, who took them to the Marchand home and hit Clotilde Marchand in the head with a hammer after she gave an amused answer when asked whether she was a witch. The defense presented its entire case in a single day, showing that the letters from quote-unquote Mrs. Dooley didn't match Lila's handwriting, thereby proving a third party was involved. Oh, shit. And as a result, disproving the murder plot as an act of jealousy, (gasps) as jealous lovers generally don't have accomplices. Yeah, unless it's another person you're fucking and you're, yeah. I mean, you'd think. Yeah. As the trial came to a close, Lila's tuberculosis flared up and she collapsed with a lung hemorrhage. Oh, Jesus. The judge declared a mistrial. Lila was sent to the hospital where she confessed to second-degree murder, though she would recant the statement once she recovered. Nancy pled guilty to manslaughter, and in light of her age and the circumstances of her involvement, essentially that she was duped into believing this, she was sentenced to time served. Poor Nancy. Poor Nancy. Yeah. I know. That really sucks. It does suck. Like, she thought she was her friend. Like, that really fucked her over. Yeah. Because he was such a dick in his testimony during the first trial, Henri was viewed by the prosecution as a liability and was not invited to testify during the second trial. It should also be noted that by the second trial, Henri had moved to Albany and married his dead wife's 18-year-old niece. Oh. And he's like Gross. 60 at this point. Oh, no. Yes. Yes. Oh, what a piece of shit. All right. Yeah, he's literally the fucking worst. He's a trash person. During the second trial a year later, Lila's new defense lawyers went to town on the overtly racist prosecution. In the first trial, the prosecutor in court literally called Lila a filthy Indian. (gasps) Quote, a filthy Indian, end quote. Like, this is how fucking crazy overtly racist like no one gives a fuck and i can't handle this my jaws dropped right now like it's fucking nuts fucking uh, they're not even putting on a show yeah that it's unbiased no god no the the first trial was kind of rushed like 17 days after the first murder they um started selecting the jury because they were afraid that basically these people were going to get publicly lynched wow because of how racist fucking everyone, everyone was. was jesus okay. and and i even read a thing that they contacted clarence darrow really to help them get a, like holy fuck to like have a fair trial yeah and he like looked over the case and was like that's no for me dog <laughs> oh snap all right yeah damn and those of you who don't know clarence darrow is like a world famous attorney inherit the wind is based off of him and the spokes monkey trial yes yes so the new defense lawyers just go to fucking town over the overtly racist prosecution presenting lila as a naive woman who had foolishly fallen in love with the worldly lothario but had had no hand in the murder of his wife on the stand lila threw Henri under the bus claiming that he'd told her he was tired of his wife and had tried to hire many people on the reservation to kill her. Somehow, Lila managed to get an acquittal. What? Yep. She ended up marrying a white man and living a long life in Perrysburg, New York, near her old reservation. 
She died in 1972. During the second trial, police commissioner Austin J. Roach said he believed the murder had been a calculated act by Lila and that Henri was kept in the dark and totally clueless to the nefarious plot. But County Judge Frank B. Thorne, who presided over the trials, wasn't buying that bullshit. He said, quote, I believe, and I think everyone acquainted with this case believes, that Henri Marchard, through his affair with Lila Jimerson, which he cynically defended as a professional necessity, has a large share morally in the killing of his wife. I do not believe, however, that he is legally responsible. There is no evidence that he is. End quote. Thorne went on to say that he thought the jury's verdict in the Lila case was, quote, ridiculous and a miscarriage of justice, and that Nancy was less guilty than Lila, end quote. Which, yes, those yes. are just facts. She was literally tricked. Yeah, and she's a fucking healer. Like, she believes in all the yeah. stuff. Yeah. Nancy's whereabouts became unknown after the trial, and I just hope she lived a peaceful remainder of her life and got herself some non-trash friends. Yeah, me too. Fuck. Despite the reasonable doubt defense successfully presenting Henri as an alternate suspect with the handwriting of the other, the note, he was never arrested or prosecuted. And the scandal didn't prevent him from getting a lucrative commission to make dioramas for the Chicago World's Fair in 1933. He died in 1951. Thank God. Fuck that guy. Right? Clotilde Marchand's paintings were exhibited only once in a 1930 memorial tribute. According to her daughter, Henriette, quote, she was a true artist who never had a chance, end quote. Clotilde is buried in Section 40 in Forest Lawn in an unmarked grave. And that is the Buffalo Ouija murder. That was wild. Right? Holy shit, dude. After hearing this story, I like, I can't imagine not realizing that it was, they were Native American. No, not at all. The whole time. Like, this is blowing my mind that you got to the end of this and then I'm sure went online and started researching this and then was like, what? Hume me? Absolutely. And in the reenactment, when they go to Lila, Lila, she's like in the suburbs with a white picket fence and like the cops come to her door and she's like, hi, hi, what's up? And like in reality, she lived in a fucking cabin on an Indian reservation, on a Native American reservation, 30 fucking miles away. Like there wasn't like kids fucking playing with their bikes, walking, you know, going to, it's, it was very jarring. (laughs) Let me fucking tell you. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you uh, brought us the real version of this story then. Yeah. Yeah. This is why, while it is easier, of course, to watch a thing and then basically regurgitate the thing, this is why cross-researching is very important. Because literally at no point was it brought up that they were Native American. That's insane to me. Literally insane to me. Yeah. Like... I'm trying to think of the, the girl who played Lila, like who she, she looks like another actress and I like can't place it, but she's absolutely not Native American. Yeah. And I know uh, Lila's, not even her mother, like her great grandmother was a white woman, but like, no, Lila's Native American. Yeah. Like you see her, you're like, I see what's happening here. Great. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. It was very, um, <laughs> so wild dude. that's so crazy to me i can't imagine and then and the the 
because I've only seen like two half episodes okay of the show yeah and the other one was the dolls yeah and again if you weren't really paying attention to the names you absolutely would have thought that this happened like in wisconsin yeah you have no idea that this was russian like at all (laughs) that's so crazy and with that one too another thing that was very odd was when they showed pictures of the crime scene with of the dolls all of the dolls were blurred out so you're like what's actually the point of this it just looks like a hoarder apartment. I was going to say, literally, you can't, if you can't see the dolls, like, you can't tell what's going on in the apartment because, like, that's the part of the apartment you need to see. Right. Again, they're, like, completely covered. They have masks on. It's not like you're actually, like, seeing a dead child's face, which would be obviously horrifying and you right. might want to blur out. Sure. Or just don't show the pictures. Do, don't show the pictures or don't do the story. Yeah. Come on. Like, it, because they had dolls for the reenactment. Of course, yeah. So I'm like, why are we blurred? It was... it. <laughs> Todd is nailing it in this, let me tell you. And, I, and the thing is, I do like the setup of it because he is, like, part of the scenes. Wait, what? He's part of the reenactment scenes? Kind of. So he's huh. he's the host and he's yeah. like, this oh, is the story, blah, 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 Is he, blah, like, blah. walking through the scene almost? As if, like, It'll be a, a thing, like, they'll be seated at, like, the table where they're doing the Ouija... And then it, like, does a close-up on one of them. And then when it comes back, the other woman's gone. And it's Todd now. And he's, like, continuing the narration. Like, it's Ah, very cool. I like it a lot. I was going to say, that actually sounds, like, very, like, clever and very, yeah. I loved it. Cool. I I think maybe Todd wasn't available because in season two, that's, he's doing it much less throughout. But I, I really like how that's done. But the whitewashing is nuts and it's one of those things that when you know those are supposed to be native american women you just are like emphatically fucking not (laughs) that'd be like me playing a native american like bitch who do you think you are get the fuck out of here literally like literally like the woman (laughs) like like, like, looks like you you're like what no that being said i really do enjoy the show though good i'll have to check it out i was gonna say i never heard that that was a super interesting story and yeah. i really enjoyed your background on the ouija board because that actually i found yeah. deeply interesting and some of that kind of makes me like i don't know like i feel like i don't like so weird about the ouija board but like yeah the fact that like nobody kind of knows where it came from or like where it started it almost has like this extra mystical mysterious vibe to it now totally right yeah yeah and the like what the fuckness of the yes, guy's that death. Guy! He was oh. gonna live and then fucking hit a bump, a pothole on the road, and he got a fucking rib and in his, his goddamn broken heart? rib what? through his heart. What the actual fuck? Like Jesus. what are the odds of that? Yes, dude. And it's you're falling off of the building that the Ouija board told you to told make. You to make. Coincidence? And the Ouija board lies. The they Ouija board it. fucking lies. They said that. Girl. Girl. I know. That I was, was eerie. too fascinated by it to oh, not I include it. it. I didn't know any of that, and I'm I'm so happy you included that part of the story, because that fucking cherry on top, Monique. Fuck yeah. Yes. Extra credit points for you. Yay! Yay. I get <laughs> do I get a scratch and sniff sticker? Yeah, if you want a scratch and sniff sticker. Fuck, fuck yeah. yeah. That was amazing. I really enjoyed that. Thank you. I'm so glad. I was really fascinated by the story and then but definitely had apprehensions about how racist it was. Yeah. I mean, you are dealing with that time period, yeah. the 1930s. That's not the fucking... I was not prepared for how yeah. just overtly racist everyone was. I don't think 
anyone is really aware of how overtly racist any of those times were. Like, holy shit. Because we all watch the these period pieces that have been made now, currently, and we're like, no, this is nice. Like, no, it wasn't that bad. People are fucking crazy. civilized. Yeah. Like, all right, they throw like a off-color word around every once yeah. in a while, but like, it's fine. Like, no. No, it is not. They don't give a fuck. <laughs> they will say whatever. Yeah, they're like, what? I'm just this... reporting the news that she didn't have any titties. I was like, this black-chested <laughs> bitch over here. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Crazy. But I, I I, really do like True Nightmares. I, I think it's a great show. Just the casting department is uh, <laughs> is not nailing it. <laughs> then you take some notes. It's fine. Yeah, because, like, visually you don't know. And at no point in the, like, narration are they, like, Two Native American women at any point. But it's crazy because, like, literally, you could have slipped in one fucking sentence. Like, one sentence into this narrative and, like, base is covered. Like, it's not great still, obviously, but, like, I understand the situation. I mean, I'm going to guess that they probably had difficulty finding Native Americans. Yeah. And I'm going to guess, because it's an ID show, that's probably a non-union gig. Okay. So, like, for the accents... For the Russians. The Russian. Yeah. They were probably like, we can't even find someone to do a decent accent. Oh, so no. I'm just gonna. <laughs> there's no accents. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's another story. I didn't watch it, but there's British accents. And that tends to be like a standard accent that actors learn. Yeah. Or they could have just hired British people. I don't know. Possible. They did the bad Cockney accent in their whole, the whole reenactment. That... <laughs> they killed him, Gavna. <laughs> I always no. think of, of Christopher Guest in uh, Waiting for Guffman. It's like, and, oh, I'll, I'll you. <laughs> With this Cockney accent. That was, I don't know that reference, but that was amazing. What Have you ever seen so. Waiting for Guffman? No. <gasps> Amy. Waiting for Guffman? It's incredible. It's incredible. It's Meryl Streep's favorite movie of all time. It's incredible. It's a mockumentary. You're not ready for Waiting for Guffman. It's fucking incredible. That goes to everyone. If you have not seen Waiting for Guffman, literally stop everything you're fucking doing and watch it. It looks ridiculous. Oh, Eugene Levy's in it. Catherine O'Hara is in it. (gasps) Okay. Okay. You're not Parker Posey. Everyone's in this. Fred Willard. Oh, that's like this troupe that makes all these mockumentary movies. Oh my god, because they did Best in Show. Yes, 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 yes. It's yes. the same and people. Yes, Final Town and all that shit. Okay. You're not ready for Waiting for I'm Guffman. I'm not ready. Okay. Yay. All right. Literally, I'm giving you homework to watch it before next week. Oh, shit. You're not ready for that. No, I'm movie. not ready for it. I'm excited, though, because I love the cast, obviously, and I always think they do great work, so. They do. This is... I don't know how I missed this, but... I think Best in Show is probably better I mean, but it's amazing. Waiting for Guffman is like really neck and neck. I just like it more because even if you have been like in a community theater production or like in a fourth grade play, you know all of those people. Yes. Like, you know all of those people and it's amazing. All right. Shit. Thank you for the recommendation though. Fuck. Absolutely. Yeah. And your story. Amazing. And your story. This fucking, this was a fun one. This was fun. I enjoyed this. Yeah. And fucking investigative journalist. Hey. Amy Traden. Oh yeah. I went real deep this week. I mean, I'm fucking here for it. (laughs) I had fun. I'm obsessed. Yeah. This was a fun one. Yeah. So hopefully people are back on the bandwagon. Yes. After after feeling like shit. Donna, come back to us. Donna, come back. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, thank you so much. Uh, for listening. You're the best. We're obsessed with you. 
If you don't already, please follow us on Instagram. And you have to now because you got to see Amy's fucking... Yes, my detective work. Her detective work. We're going to put it up on fucking Instagram. Absolutely. Follow us on Instagram at another fucking horror podcast. You can find me at Pin Up Girl Mo. You can find me at Lobotomy. And that's Lobot period Amy. We have a True Listener Tales episode coming up. You can either DM us your personal stories or you can email us at another fucking horror podcast at gmail.com with a period instead of the you and fucking. But most importantly, keep it cute. Keep it creepy. Bye. Bye.